0: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
2: Hey, how's it going, everybody? The Ben Jarofsky Show for your Thursday, March 7th, is moments away. But before we get started, we have to remind everyone that The Ben Jarofsky Show is powered by unions these hard-working men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this new venture so we'd like to thank the following unions for making this show possible up first it's the international association of machinists and aerospace workers not aerosmith local 126 and district 8 the international brotherhood of electrical workers local 9 and the international union of operating engineers local 150 big thank you to all of those unions and of course today's binjorovsky show for Thursday March 7th is brought to you by our friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor with that said the binjrowsky show begins right now it is Thursday March 7th and live from the Chicago Suntime studio on Racine Avenue this is is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome back Chicago Reader columnist and Ben Jarofsky's co host of The Backroom Deal, Maya Duke Masova. And we welcome 32nd Ward Alderman, the one, the only, Scott Wagaspack. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist.
1: Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Throwback Thursday. And here's why. So woke up this morning bright and early at the god-awful hour of 830. Yeah, it's oh, early wow. for me. <laughs> Very early for you. There were robins chirping and worms doing things and... I had to go downtown early, folks. Yes, I had a television show appearance. Yeah, me on TV. They always go, Ben, you got a perfect face for podcasting. <laughs> but I was on TV thanks to my good friend from Channel 32, Mike Flannery, was at the hideout on Tuesday, heard us interviewing Lori Liefitz. Hey, Mike. Nick. Come on to my show. So they taped the show on a Thursday, and they aired it on a Sunday. So anyway. No, you're giving away the secrets of television. <laughs> I just learned pre-recorded. I just learned radio and podcasting. Now I'm like a wizard of TV. Just call me Roger Ailes. Please don't call me Roger Ailes. Anyway, I put on jeans, a t-shirt, and a sweatshirt. Went down for a cup of coffee. My wife says, oh no, you're not going out like that. Get back up there. Send me upstairs. She laid (laughs) laid out the clothes that I should wear. Let me tell you something about my wife. It's a case of opposites attract. My wife has great eye for fashion and colors and clothes and how you should look i am a complete and total schlub all right and uh so anyway we've been married for 35 36 years or whatever it is so something must be working anyway she lays out the clothes then she makes me lunch then she sees me off at the door and do you have your student id she says she was just joking but you know it's kind of like i have a student id d it's like this little thingy they give at the at the suntimes to get in the building. That'd you be know? called a work badge. Oh the work badge. So you know how it works, people? It's like you got this little device in the door and you swipe the work badge.
2: Hey you don't really swipe it, you just <laughs> put it on a thing. No swiping involved
1: go, actually. And then the door goes and then you can open the door. I feel like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Den den and I'm coming into the Sun Times building. Anyway. Our hosts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so I'm all dressed up. I got my little sometimes badge. I'm feeling really good. Head over to Channel 32. Mike Flannery's got me on the show with Paul Vallis. Yes, that Paul Vallis, the guy who ran for mayor, and Marilyn Katz, a, a legendary political strategist in this town. I'm telling you something, folks. If you're on TV with Paul Vallis and Marilyn Katz, the first challenge is try to get a word in white Man, those two can talk a lot. I'm like, hub, hubba, hubba, let me say something. <laughs> first question Mike asks is, yeah, it's the media, are reporters being hard, too hard on Tony Perkwinkle? That was the question he asked, he. Eh? And I guess that's getting around that Tony Perkwinkle, people are complaining that the media is too hard on them. You know, my thoughts on that are this. No, I don't think the media is too hard on Tony Preckwinkle. I think uh, most rank-and-file reporters have no horse in this particular race, and that's just how they are. They're gr- tough and gruff and... Rawr, rawr. Okay, so... <laughs> to all the candidates. So, uh, And number two, if I know those Tony Perkwinkel people... They're doing that game of working the refs. You know how that works, D? That's in a basketball game. Basketball, that's the big ball. Shoot it like the Chicago Bulls. We are learning
3: stuff
2: today, (laughs) listeners.
1: You know what they do? Coaches work the refs, people. Politicians are like coaches. What they do is, you know, the ref calls up. Like, like you'll get a, like the uh, Dwayne Wade whack Zach Levine on the head. And the coach for Miami goes, what kind of call is that? Even though it was obviously a foul, but the strategy is that the ref in the back of his mind will think, eh, maybe that wasn't a foul, that was questionable, I'll give the next one to the Heat. That's called working the refs, folks. They do it in basketball and they do it in politics. Of course, there's a third possibility. The folks at the Tony Preckwinkle campaign are losing their minds as this election season heats up. And if that's the case, I can understand it because it is a very crazy time in Chicago. We all know that. And it would be something losing their minds that the Preckwinkle crowd has in common with the Lori Lightfoot crowd. Because everybody's going crazy. We got a great show today, everybody. My partner in crime, uh, as uh, Dennis said, Maya Dukbasova from the Chicago uh, Reader will be in here. At, uh, we'll be talking all the political stories of the day, automatic runoffs. Uh, what else is Maya going to be talking about? Her last article uh, in the Reader about excessive bail here in the uh, in in uh, well, not just in Cook County in Chicago, but throughout the country. Uh, so we'll be talking about all the news of the day with Maya Ryan Kelly, good friend of this show, from the International Association of M- machinists and aerospace workers okay d not aerosmith workers not me who aerosmith. has the problem with walk it. this way anyway uh, ryan will be in here we're we'll talking a lot of Janus stuff folks get your pencils out get your papers out we're going to be educating you about union law something i feel very strongly about and then of course the man they call scotty scott wagons alderman of the 32nd war the dean of the progressives in the chicago city council he is a lori lightfoot uh, supporter want to remind people, we have Lori Lightfoot supporters in the studio, and we have Tony Preckwinkle supporters in the studio. Yesterday, we had, for 10 trivia points, D, who was in the studio? Oh, my God. Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Carlos Ramirez Rosa, a staunch supporter of Tony Preckwinkle. Tomorrow, who are we going to have on this show, D? Stacey Davis Gates. Stacey Davis Gates, a staunch supporter supporter of Tony Preckwinkle today. We're going to give a little time to young Scotty Waggisback, Alderman of the 32nd Ward. He's a supporter of Lord. Lockwood. Lock the door. We don't want
4: any (laughs)
2: Preckwinkle people coming in. Hey, get Scott off there.
1: (laughs) No, come on. It's all safe. Everybody loves everybody in this little studio uh, that they built for me here at the Sun-Times building. So anyway, that's a great show we have today. We're here talking politics, 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 and politics. But before we do any of that, Young Dennis has the news.
2: All right, people. It's the middle of the day. Let's unpack what's happening in the national news this afternoon. Hey, tuck in your shirt and get that piece of bagel out of your teeth, (laughs) Donnie, because we have visitors. That's right. The president is welcoming the prime minister of the Czech Republic today (laughs) for a meeting in the Oval Office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a sweet day for Donald, but boy, that cannot be said about his former goon-like cronies this afternoon. (laughs) Very high key, in fact. Paul Manafort will be sentenced to prison in moments. Remember that guy? Donald Trump's former campaign chairman, found guilty of eight felony crimes last August, including filing false uh, tax returns and bank fraud. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Manafort will discover his fate in about an hour or so. And I will for sure be breaking in with that update during our interview with either union man Ryan Kelly or 32nd Ward Alderman Scott Waggispack. So we got that going on. And then we got John Kelly, all right? Mm -hmm. Former Trump White House chief of staff. This one isn't so bad, but this poor guy... at a question-and-answer session Wednesday night at Duke University. Oh, Ben, you love Duke University, right? Uh, negative. Negative.
1: <laughs> Never root for Duke. Can't stand Duke. Always rooting. Talk about working the refs. Shashevsky, the coach at Duke, always whining. <laughs> when they call a foul, like, I'm sorry. Hang tight, allowed. non-sports
2: fans. Got a <laughs> fantastic
1: a political program for you. Ben. Not allowed to talk about sports on the Ben Jarowski show.
2: That eh, kind of set you up, though. But uh, John Kelly said that being Trump's chief of staff was the, quote, Least enjoyable job I've ever had. (laughs) Now he tells us. yeah, He seemed to like that job when he had it. Bossing everybody around. Kelly then said he would have worked for Hillary Clinton if she became president. He said, quote, if Hillary Clinton had called me. I would have done it. See, he said it. Wow, he did say that. That's interesting. And then there's Michael Cohen. Mm. He's had a back and forth day. MC. The following comes from The Guardian. First, we learned the former Trump attorney, Michael Cohen, told his former lawyer to, quote, explore a potential presidential pardon last year, according to The Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal reported that Lanny Davis, who currently represents Cohen, admitted Cohen had instructed his then attorney to look into a pardon from Trump. Cohen told Congress last week that he had, quote, never asked for, nor would I accept a pardon from President Trump.
1: Yeah, well, all right. Let me just say this, folks. Now I'm going to talk to my Republican listeners out there, OK? So yeah, Democrats can listen, but I'm really speaking to my Republican brothers and sisters out there. You have signed on with perhaps the sleaziest crew of operatives I've ever seen in the White House. And, you know, I go back a long time. I've seen a lot of sleazy crews in the White House. I mean, this bunch would sell like the fixtures if they could make any money off the deal. This is a sleazy bunch of liars that have been elected to run this country. Now, I understand that when... operatives get involved in a campaign or even not not even just operatives but when true believers get involved in a campaign they just want to stay with that team to the very end. I saw that happen here in the city of Chicago 2007. you're not unlike people here in the city of Chicago Republicans in 2007 we had four years of some of the most corrupt city government that you could imagine there was one investigation after another going right up to the mayor's office, Mayor Daley at the time. They didn't indict indict Daley, but they indicted pretty much everybody else. And yet the people in the city of Chicago supported Daley. They supported him so much that all the public opinion polls uh, deterred any uh, well-known candidate from running. We ended up with Dorothy Brown running against Daley in 2007. So before any Democrat... Acts holy, high and holy about how much Republicans are going down with the ship. I think they should look in the mirror back in 2007 when they stuck with Daly after four of the most corrupt years uh, in Chicago history. That said, this is embarrassing, Republicans. You are staying loyal to this guy. They are so corrupt and crooked. And you know it. You know, you know they're doing these games. Paul Manafort. About to go to j- prison, what was that, D, for uh, filing false income tax statements? Mm-hmm. God, the story that comes out about Manafort representing all these tyrannical governments, these dictators and oligarchs and piling up money and buying all sorts of like, fur coats and everything, lying all the way to the, to the last moment. Come on, Republicans. You could do
2: better. And this just in Michael Cohen is now suing the Trump organization for unpaid legal fees. In a lawsuit filed in a New York court, Cohen accuses the Trump organization of failing to indemnify him for attorney fees in costs he incurred working on the company's behalf. Cohen says the Trump organization refused to make payments after it became clear he would cooperate with the investigators looking into
3: his work.
1: <laughs> well, I can almost feel in this one.
2: I have a, a slight
1: feeling of sympathy for Trump. Very slight, you know. Wait a minute, Thank I'm you. supposed to pay you? You're you're like you know like giving all the dirt to the feds. They're coming. Out, I'm supposed to pay you for this? Uh, I don't know, a little, just how about that? How about that, Republicans? You know, I'm being fair to you guys, a little sympathy for Trump, but
2: that's it. Come on, Trump, pay your bills, cheapskate. And finally, a little more national news here. Yeah. Former vice president and the guy who once said he'd like to meet Donald Trump in an alley and beat him up. <laughs> Biden? Joe with- Biden. God. He's in the final stages of preparing for a 2020 presidential oh. campaign. This is according to CBS, all right? Mm-hmm. So if this ends up being false, go to CBS. <laughs> not a uh, No, he's in yeah. the final stages of preparing for a 2020 presidential campaign okay. that is expected to launch next month. This is also according to multiple people. Familiar? With his planning. Wow,
1: Joe Biden getting in a race, perhaps. Well, i would be interesting. You know, I could bring on Kitty Kurth. Kitty Kurth, as everybody knows, long-time political strategist here in the city of Chicago. Good friend of the Ben Jarefsky Show. We haven't had her uh, in this studio yet. We'll get her on. But she was a big-time supporter of Joe Biden. And I think in 2060, she was really urging Joe Biden to run. I often wonder, uh, would uh, Grandpa Joe have been able to uh, defeat Donald Trump? Yeah, he certainly... In that alley fight? <laughs> Oh, you mean in just a yeah. presidential race? <laughs> Fight between, oh, I'm going to take you in the alley. I remember Biden said, I'm going to take you in the alley, young man.
2: There's I, two old guys fighting in an alley. You know what? Biden mean. did a
1: great job in the Sarah Palin debate. Can we go back to 2008? He uh, he did a really good job with Sarah. And uh, for 10 trivia points oh, in 2012. People forget this. You'd be surprised how many people forgot uh, have forgotten this. Okay, in 2012, everybody. Uh, Mitt Romney was the Republican nominee for president. I do not want anybody looking at those cell phones. Put those cell phones down. Who is his vice presidential candidate? Paul Ryan. Wow. Very good for knowing that. I remember that. And, folks, he did not look at his phone, all right? Um, Can someone get that man a blue Mustang right now? Just... Deliver it over there. Oh, it looks uh, like our guests have arrived. By the way, but oh, they have arrived. Yes, waiting oh, at the door. Good. Oh, that's good to hear. They're knocking on the door. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I thought Joe Biden did a great job uh, with uh, Paul Ryan. As I said at the time, he mopped the floor with it. That, uh, that young feller, and uh, so you know, I welcome to him to the race, D. I hope he uh, joins. Joins the party, as they
2: say. All right, now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Benny J., mm-hmm. quick question for you. Oh, okay. You ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois? I was born ready. Love that answer. <laughs> Fantastic answer, especially at this time, because coming up after the short little break, we are going to find out what else is news. I can't wait, because you know, folks, it's the time of day where the
1: doctor pulls that little trick Out of his little sleeve. Let's see what it is when we return.
2: The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And, hey, if you have a little extra cash... Subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's Chicago Reader. Hey, there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right. So here's how this works. The Bendorowski Show live streams on the Chicago Sun Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download The Bendorowski Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Bendorowski shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one, just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, The Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't? Contact Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. C O R P Paul dot com to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show, live and downloaded, in moments. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. All right, right, Will Do. I'll take it away
1: and I'll kick it right back to you because it's a time of day. The doctor takes a deep dive on the local news. Got a lot of local news to take that deep dive into going to pluck Absolutely. up all sorts of stuff. What you got for me, young man?
2: All right. It's time to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What Else is News. Yes, the magic number is 26. Mm-hmm. 26 days away from the 2019 Chicago runoff elections on April 2nd. And admittedly, a lot of the content on this program lately has been focused on the mayoral runoff election. So we decided for today's What Else is News, we're going to put our focus on another Chicago runoff election. We had a listener reach out to us recently, Ben shout out to our facebook friend aaron how's it going aaron what up aaron there you go that was nice of you to say hi uh uh, aaron posted the following will you be having guests slash discussion about the chicago treasurer runoff soon i am conflicted who to choose and would value some perspective from people in the know
1: Mm, yes i uh that's a great question great suggestion I think I'm going to uh, hire Aaron on this show to work on the show, help me come up with ideas. Uh, but yes, uh, I want to have uh, Melissa Conyers-Irvin and Maya Puar uh, on the show to talk about the treasurer's race. Very important office. has the potential to be an important office, I should say. Uh, traditionally, in Chicago, it has not been an important office. It's been treated like a, as a rubber stamp, if you will, like, uh, for the mayor, as an adjunct to the mayor. But the treasurer could step up and be independent uh, and a little more independent and offer an interesting perspective on um, how much money we have, where our money is being invested, how much returns we're getting on our investment, that kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, they could even offer insight and oversight of things like the TIFF program. Hey, how about that? That would be a great idea. Uh, so, yes, it could be a very important office uh, in the city of Chicago as opposed to just being sort of a, like a sidekick to the mayor
2: so aaron asked for it she's getting it this one's for you aaron it's time for a 2019 chicago treasurer candidate update
1: this is a 2019 chicago treasurer candidate update
2: All all right. (laughs) Hold on. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right.
3: There we go.
1: You know what? The other day you were playing that song uh, by Proko. Well, it wasn't. It was the intro that I thought was like a conquistador. But that's uh, Pink Floyd.
2: Money. Oh, he's in a mood today. No singing. (laughs) Oh, sorry. All right. So once again, it all goes down April 2nd. Mm -hmm. And if you're still up in the air on who to vote for for mayor, well, Here's another bone for you to chew on: the mm. Chicago City Treasurer election. Ben, before we get to know the candidates, tell us in your mind what qualify or what qualities would make a good treasurer for the city of Chicago.
1: Well, I was just talking about that. One, independence. You have to have the ability to. Uh, tell the mayor bad news from time to time or maybe offer an alternative opinion to the mayor from time to time. Let's say the mayor's coming up with a borrowing scheme uh, where she, where he or she says that magically we're going to borrow money, but it's not going to cost you any money somehow or other. They're going to learn how to borrow money without paying interest on a loan. I'll, I, anybody who's ever bought a house knows that's not true. So maybe the treasurer can offer an independent overview of like saying, well, you know, actually the interest on the loan will be X, Y, Z. It'll increase the amount of money we're paying uh, by TKY, et cetera, et cetera. So sort of an independent overseer of city finances. That uh, quality of independence and a fearlessness uh, to tell an all-powerful mayor what he or she may not want to hear, that would be a great set of qualities from our treasurer.
2: All right. With that said, let's get to know our candidates. Oh, ben, oh get ready. Ben's about to sing, everybody. <laughs> could kiss your stallion stands. Oh Lord, I'll listers t- thank you for hanging tight. Today. I'll tell
1: you, we got Sean is uh, wandering or the studio. He's an old seventies guy. He loves this song, Procol Harum, man.
2: All <laughs> right, so let's get to know our candidates here. First up, it's <laughs> Illinois State Rep. Melissa Conyers Irvin. All right, the following comes from the Sun Times editorial board. Melissa Conyers Irvin has experience as an executive in residency with a charity-based organization in Garfield Park called Breakthrough Urban Ministries. Soon after, in 2016, she ran for and won a seat to become a state representative. As a legislator, she earned a reputation as someone who reaches across the aisle to get things done for working families. As a state representative, she sponsored the Improved Illinois Education Funding Formula that directed over $221 million in additional funding to Chicago Public Schools. She was also the chief sponsor of bipartisan legislation that protected funding for child care assistance, a service that allows many working parents to stay in the workforce. She's a product of Chicago Public Schools, the first person in her family to attend college and graduated with a finance degree from Eastern Illinois Un- University. Mm-hmm. All right, you heard enough about her here. For, for more information on Melissa Conyers Irving, go to Melissa4FORChicago.com.
1: Yes, uh, Melissa Conyers Irving from the west side of Chicago. Hey, we got to bring her on the studio. Maybe get her on next week. Uh, her uh, husband, Jason Irving, is the alderman, I believe, of the 28th Ward. And um, uh, she did very well in, um, in the last, I think she actually was the got the the most votes in the uh, first round and treasurer's race, like mayor's race. Now we have a runoff, so just the person who won, got the most votes, doesn't automatically uh, win office. I think a lot of people uh, from the north side of Chicago thought uh, Mayor Pawar would run away with this race because they knew a Mayor Pawar. But in the city of Chicago, uh, we have segregation. We've always had segregation. Black's over here, white's over there. And so people on the north side of Chicago may not know a politician whose uh, base is on the west side. So it's very good for everybody to meet everybody else, kind of get to meet and greet things, you know what I mean? See what we have in common. So we're going to bring her on the show. try to reach out to her, get her on the show, get her ideas, what she thinks is a good strategy uh, uh, for investing the
2: city's dollars. All right, so we have an ad to play from Treasurer Candidate Conyers Irvin. This ad also features an appearance from that guy you always see a picture of at the DMV, Illinois Secretary of State, Jesse White. <laughs> Chicago voters, yeah. listen up. Here's the latest, or I'm not sure if it's the latest, but it is an ad from Melissa con Ears irving just hang tight with me one second gang and all right here we go
0: hi i'm melissa and i'm running for treasurer city treasurer city treasurer
5: melissa how are you doing so are you the only candidate raised in chicago
0: born and raised and now i'm the state (laughs) rep here oh i like that thank you so much for protecting child care as a working mother i get it
5: you're the only candidate with an mba in finance and
0: over 15 years of corporate experience that's what we need we need to invest our tax dollars in every neighborhood not just downtown She's ready for this. Oh, you bet I am. Melissa Kanyerz <laughs> Urban, City Treasurer.
1: That was Jesse White. That was Jesse White. Yeah. By the way, we need to invest our tax dollars in every neighbor. I hear, hear to that. We got the Lincoln Yards deal about to go down right now. We're going to take two. Well, the Lincoln Yards deal is what? What? One point three billion invested on the north side of Chicago. I'm hoping uh, a Melissa Kanyerz Urban, if she were elected, would uh, point out how we invest our money, point out which neighborhoods are getting uh, shorthanded uh, in this uh, investment schemes that the city has and which neighborhoods are getting a little too much. So I would really hope she follows up uh, on that pledge from that commercial.
2: All right, up next. Oh, wait, hold on. Go the highest. There we go. Get it out. Get it out. All right. Hey, come on. I,
1: I, I made the mistake. Who, who corrected me yesterday? Jim? John? Oh, yeah. A
2: live streamer. A live streamer.
1: Got to give him a shout out. Uh, I was say, oh, yeah, it's the Moody Blues. And um, But it turns out it's Procol Harum, another 70s group that only uh, Sean and I have ever heard of. All right. Hang tight, millennials. <laughs> Up next,
2: he's the former alderman out of the 47th Ward. He's our host, Ben Jaroski's former alderman, and he also ran for governor a while back. He's a Mayor Pawar. Pawar was first elected alderman in 2011 and was re-elected in 2015. He was the first Indian American and Asian American elected to the Chicago City Council. As alderman, he focused his legislative efforts around social justice, workers' rights, and economic justice and has led on 12 major pieces of legislation including tax increment financing reform as well as legislation guaranteeing earned sick time, combating wage theft, and protecting and preserving Serving single room occupancy housing units for Chicago's most vulnerable. All right, I got more information here. But we're just gonna move on. To learn more for, about Pawar, go to Powar for FOR Chicago.com.
1: Yes, indeed. We've had a May on the show a few times. A May everybody knows a May and I have had our ups and downs. Uh more often than not. Uh, we, we were there that first term of Mayor Rom when he first ran for office. Let me go back when he first ran for office. I fell head over heels in love with the Mayor Pawar. Uh-huh. Yeah, he just he said he was going to blow up the TIFF program. Oh, I was like music to my ears. Then he got into office that first term, and I don't know what when Rom started hitting him over the head or whatever, or sort of whispered sweet things into his ears. But he went a little down that Rom path. All right, that Rom path that so many politicians. You know, ventured down in that first four years, particularly that first year when we passed that cruel budget that closed the mental health clinics. Now, the uh, damn ROM path. Yeah, the ROM path. Oh, I like what the man... Benny's really nice. You should get to know him. Anyway... Um, But uh, Maya has been moving more to the left uh, since that first term, and he has some very interesting ideas I have to give him credit for about a a city bank, a public bank, uh, to try to invest the dollars that we pay into the city uh, so that we get a greater return and we can spend the money on crucial city programs. So we're like profiting from the interest rates, if you will. Uh, And he also has this interesting idea about paying uh, Chicago people like $1,000 a month. uh, Just a sort of, it's like an idea, by the way, that... Believe it or not, Richard Nixon was talking about way back when in the early 70s. I doubt very much it'll come to pass, but interesting, a progressive idea from Amaya Poir. P- we could always use more ideas. So we should bring Amaya on the show, too, and uh, let the debate
2: begin. And similar to Conyers Irvin, we have an ad from Powar. And this one has one of those hip one- or two-word titles you uh, see in all the ads nowadays. Perfect to do classic radio pitches. Check this out. Here's Amea Pawar with (laughs) Noise indoors. (laughs) It's the Ben Jarofsky Show from the Chicago Sun-Times. Crank it up. When you shut out all the noise... You can hear their stories.
6: Families, some like mine who came here with nothing. People just looking for a fair chance. As alderman, fighting income inequality has been my priority. We raised the minimum wage and we took on the mayor to keep neighborhood schools open. As city treasurer, I'll create low interest loans for affordable housing and start new neighborhood businesses. I'm Amea
0: Pawar. Let's write Chicago's next story together.
1: I'm sorry, but right in the middle of that, uh, Maya, my uh, guest in the studio just took a picture. I'll tell you, Maya's a millennial. She knows how to use that phone. All right, you can learn a few things from Maya. Right? All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Maya Puar, uh, like I said, Maya Puar is coming up with some interesting uh, ideas and proposals right now. The man is filled with ideas. I have to give him credit for that. So, whether he can implement them. Uh, I do not know whether he'll be willing to be an independent overseer. I do not know, but I really uh, welcome his his uh, participation in this race because, uh, like I said, uh, he is sort of an ideas
2: man. So there you are, just like that. You're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago. A little update on the treasurer's race, and now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you, "Hey, what else is news?" And yeah, what the hell? Let's just do this again. <laughs> conquistador
1: stallions. St- it's one of Maya's favorite songs from the 70s By way. She loves Proco Harum.
2: Did you know that? No, not no, at I, all. I don't
1: think Maya's ever heard of Proco Harum.
2: time Millennials. Okay, and just like that, you'll now have an answer <laughs> the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? Right, let me tell
1: you something. Okay. Let me tell you this right now, young man. Tell all right, me. Tell me. Something that Mike Flannery, on whose show I was oh. today, from Channel 32, Mike Flannery,
2: reporter with the most gigantic microphone <laughs> in all of news. <laughs> he
1: had that microphone, he put it to the hideout. Hey, Ben, you mind if I stick this microphone in your face? Anyway, Mike Flannery agrees on this point. Point. Tim Flannery used to play second base for the San Diego Padres. You remember him. He agrees this point. And Tim, the new kid on our bowling team. They all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Maya's in the studio. We're going to bring her on.
2: Hey there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarovsky Show. Alright, right, so here's how this works. The Vendrofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m., Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky Show, J O R A. V in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live-streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at Chicago.Suntimes.com, ChicagoReader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun Times. Yes, indeed, we are live, and with me in the
1: studios, Maya Dukmasova. She's a star reporter for my beloved, my beloved Chicago reader, and uh, she's my partner in crime and backroom deal, which is one of the greatest podcasts ever, ever produced, made.
5: <laughs> ever made.
1: And she's been known to give me grief like every day of my life. If there's not a text or a call from Maya giving me grief about something I did wrong, I have not had a good day. Welcome back, Maya.
5: Thanks for having me back.
1: All right. So Maya already, she walked in giving me grief. Uh, Ben, that quote is not accurate. Uh, I wrote a story uh, about the reader. Uh, Okay, just back up a little bit on the night. Of the election, Maya and I did a, uh, a live. What do they call it? It was like, a
5: live stream. It was a live which is stream. What thinking. we're doing right now as well. <laughs> We did a He's li-
1: good, right? <laughs> we did a live stream <laughs> but- from the reader office, which mm-hmm. is even like smaller than this room. Mm-hmm. And um, so Maya said something uh, that really struck home because the, the the turnout was so disappointing, 35%. Yeah. And uh, Maya said, basically, the world is divided into two factions, if you will, or two types of people, those who care obsessively about politics and those who don't. And then she came into the room just now uh, and said, "Ben, you misquoted me. So get the right well, quote."
5: Well, so yeah. Basically, the way that you you present this in your story in this week's reader uh-huh. um, about you know just talking about how this turnout was was so bad and how you know what 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 what's going on with the electorate is that uh, you know that that I'm, I I don't mean to come across as if I'm like blaming people for not caring about politics because first and foremost, I think that. Things are designed in such a way that unless you have an, an, you know, an inherent curiosity and passion, it's not, like, voting is not easy. Like, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a... um it's not as hard here as it is in a lot of the country. I mean, the, the, the state and the city of Chicago has done a lot to make voting access a lot better. We have early voting, we have vote by mail, uh, but still election day is a Tuesday. And I think much of the political rhetoric out there is aimed at people who are already paying attention. So I don't at all mean to come across like I'm like blaming people for not caring. I don't think that that's like productive or an interesting opinion or really gets us anywhere to say, to like wag our fingers at people and say like, you need to care sure
3: people, Right.
5: Yeah, that's not the point. Um, and uh, but I do think that like the low turnout speaks to um, not just the usual issues of like voting not being like the easiest it could be, but uh, also that none of these candidates were getting people excited enough to go vote, which gets to the actual thing that I would call my theory, which is that elections are like Wednesday night parties on the other side of town and you're really not going to go unless it's really going to be worth it on like a, in the middle of the week, you have to get up for work the next day. Uh, the party's gotta be really good mm-hmm. and a real draw for you to, to get your butter across on the other side of town. So, um, this time around, I just don't think other than, um, maybe Jerry Joyce for some people on the Southwest and Northwest sides, um, and a few of the you know some of the other candidates who might have gotten a few people energized i think overall this is not like barack obama in 2008 and i do think that municipal elections like suffer a little bit from mm-hmm. being like lower profile people it doesn't feel as sexy to care about that level of politics maybe um but uh at the end of the day i think it's it's on the in our system currently it's like a lot of this is on the candidates to mm-hmm. generate the excitement
1: well you know, you uh, uh, you referred to Barack Obama 2008. Uh, when I was doing the story, and the story is the ruling 35%, the vast majority of Chicago voters sit out another mayoral election. That's the headline uh, in the reader. let will show our listeners... A real newspaper, folks. The Chicago Reader.
2: Get a load of that newspaper. Yeah, this listeners. is a real newspaper.
1: You can read the reader is as a, as a newspaper. You can also read it online. But anyway. It's free. It's for F-R-E-E. Anyway, um, that spells free. Uh, but uh, when I was uh, writing the story, I was talking about, let me take a little historical perspective, Maya, and see how this turnout relates to other turnouts. And then, of course, mm-hmm. typical me. I got really obsessed and started looking way at more. And I looked at uh, 2008. <laughs> what? Hey man, we gotta get her some water. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Coffee no, or water? Explaining. Which one? Water. Water. Okay. okay. Uh, no, but that was funny. It reminded me of Sergio Mims was in here last week. Where's my water? Uh, anyway, but uh, I started looking at other turnouts and other uh, elections, and 2008 was actually not as much as I thought. 2008 Obama was in the low 70s. Now pre- Se-
5: low 70s yes, turnout in
1: Chicago. Uh, and so it is
5: wild. Though. I know. Compared so everybody thinks 2008.
1: Well, okay, presidentials are always higher. Right, yeah. it's uh, so what I always look at, the mark of excellence in terms of turnout, turnout was two, uh, 1983, before you were even born, the Harold Washington election, 82%, 82% turnout, voter turnout, which is, it's been downhill ever since. It went down in 87 mm-hmm. uh, when Harold ran for reelection. It's been going downhill right. ever since. And
5: it's, you know, it's like, I think even putting aside the the policies on which Harold ran, and I really hate to be like, once again, we're talking about the good old days of 1983. Like we're not coming back to that. So I feel like we should really be thinking about how to move forward and like energizing people in the future. But it's like, I think that the politics, the policies that he was running on, uh, were important but also this was an exciting candidate this was a candidate that got people excited and made them feel like they had something to vote for i think that the the places you saw the the highest turnout where people were like aggressively for or against something and you have to feel passionate enough to to, to, to to go through the motion.
1: I'll add one more point to 83. Yes, you're absolutely correct. There was people uh, passionately voting for Harold, but there was also a lot of people scared out of their wits. Mm-hmm. A lot of white people scared out of their wits at the prospect of a Harold Washington uh, mayoralty, and they voted against him, so it was right. a two-four thing. Uh, now, uh, going back to this mayor's race uh, from last week, when you talk about people voting for, uh, you you alluded to this, and I talk about this in the story, Jerry Joyce uh, drew about 60. There was a turnout of 60 percent, a little bit more than 60 percent in many precincts Mm -hmm. in the 19th Ward and the 23rd Ward and the southwest side of Chicago. It seemed as though people were excited about Jerry Joyce's campaign, of all things.
5: Yeah. And I think that uh, what you're going to see, my prediction, is that you're going to see a big dip in turnout in those areas because they've already got their aldermen that's pretty much, I mean, other than like, uh, the 39th ward, uh, but most of the Southwest Northwest side, those races are settled and these are not Tony or Lori voters. These are. So I think that a lot of people in those wards who are very passionate about Jerry Joyce, no matter what Tony or Lori say or do, they're not going to energize, uh, those voters in that same way. But also, you know, like, I don't really think that, uh, that is like worrying about whether white people on the North or Southwest side are like energized uh, about Lori or Tony is like not what we should be spending our time on. Like that's not, uh, I don't, I don't think it's that important.
1: And uh, by the way, since you mentioned uh, Lori and Tony, I haven't mentioned this to you, uh, but uh, I was hit with a question today from Mike Flannery and from channel 32. He asked me, Uh, Is the media unfair to Tony? And um, apparently many of Tony's supporters feel the media is unfair to Tony. What's your thoughts on that?
5: Okay, so I think that uh, here's what I'll say about this. What drives me crazy right now is not the fact that the media is running negative stories about Tony. I mean, I think that her political alliances and uh, all of that is... You know, people are talking about it. It's not unimportant. It's, like, worthy of discussion. But what drives me crazy is when journalists I know in the city, who I know know better than this, because they've been covering this stuff, talk about something like, you know, the soda tax. And they talk about how, well, Tony's unpopular because of the soda tax. And, like, but... Provide absolutely no context to like what actually happened and why we had that soda tax. And that has to do with the fact that nobody on that board of commissioners was gonna vote for a property tax increase. Mm-hmm. And Tony wasn't against it. Like I have heard that her that when when the when these revenue issues were being discussed, she was looking at all the options on the table. She's not against taking that um inflation-adjusted property tax increase that the county is entitled to, mm-hmm. that they are legally entitled to, but they have not taken since 1996. She, that was one of the options she wanted to put out there. The commissioners were totally against it. And so then the choice was, well, like, do we cut jobs? Do we cut programs? Or we try to get revenue where we can. We can't tax services you know, in the state of Illinois. So we have to only tax goods. So then, then there was this whole botched rollout of this whole idea where it was like a half-hearted public health thing, but everybody knew it was about revenue. So you could say all you want about that. But what's driving me crazy in the media right now is that like the things that are disliked about about Tony, I feel like it's the media's job to set the record straight about why certain things happened. And what people, what what I see journalists doing instead is just recycling, oh, this is why people don't like Tony, because she's, you know, she passed these taxes. But everyone knows that, like everyone knows why people don't like Tony. I feel like it's on the journalist to actually like give more context. And same thing with Lori, like, you know, it's uh, important to like, you know, people say that You know, she's a cop because she worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office or she's like with the mayor because like people didn't, you know, not enough officers lost their jobs while they were while she was the police board president. And I feel like similarly, the journalist's job is to like actually explain like what is happening and not just be like repeating why people say they don't like these candidates. Um, All that being said, I do think that it's I do not really have much sympathy for like people who work for these people's campaigns, (laughs) complaining about complaining about the way that the media talks about them because every day they're sending out press releases just slinging mud at each other and not focusing on the issues.
1: Well, uh, also, the last time you were at the hideout with uh, Mick and myself... On Tuesday, uh, yeah. It was... What month was that? God, everything is just blending together. Was that uh, oh, January? Tony? Yeah. No, you were at the hideout. You, oh, oh, personally... Oh, me and Heather Chirone, Yeah. yeah. Uh, and were our guests, and uh, w- there was a question asked, what has most surprised you about this campaign? And I believe your response was uh, Tony's campaign itself was disappointing Uh, you you thought they were doing a bad job uh, of positioning your candidate and I would make this point in defense of Tony when Tony uh, implemented the soda pop tax Mm -hmm. uh, she was a politician dealing with uh, she was an elected official I should say dealing with real problems in real time as you pointed out Mm -hmm. Tony right now is a politician running for office and there's it's two distinct worlds, and it's fantasy world. When a politician runs for office, yeah. Maya, they, they promise no new taxes. We all know you cannot run government without taxes. Right. It takes money to run government, and if you're going to make choices about how you spend your money and if you're going to promise people things, you need money to spend. But right now, so it's hard for her to defend herself on the soda pop tax. I thought you just gave a great defense for Tony, but she would be reluctant <laughs> to say that because she a doesn't want to bring up the soda pop tax she wants to pretend it didn't happen and two she wants to uh continue that fantasy that you can run government without money
5: right but okay but like okay then fine don't touch the soda issue why isn't the centerpiece of her campaign talking about how she like r- revived the cook county hospital system and like helped get insurance for like 500,000 people in the cook Ca- in 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 the county like wh- like she did this like monumental thing of like making uh the the, the county a direct recipient of medicaid reimbursement d- dollars i mean i sorry i like i feel like i'm like in this weird position of like t- promoting tony right now but like i just it like boggles my mind that there that that, that, that this mudslinging that go- that's going on her like the the way that she's like focusing on tearing down lori lightfoot like she like brought one of the biggest hospital systems in this country that provides free health care to poor people who need it. And it does the most trauma care of any hospital in the city of Chicago, like through her efforts, like this hospital now operates in the black and is like providing like increasingly like improving health care. Like, why is that not the number one thing her campaign is talking about in terms of making the case of why she'd be a great mayor?
1: All right, campaign, you heard Maya, you heard Maya. (laughs) Rewrite those press releases right now. Uh, Maya, Duke-Moxleff from the Chicago Reader, we're going to talk about the upcoming automatic runoffs when we return.
2: Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. The Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the Daily Chicago News and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read The Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com.
1: Yes, indeed, Ben Jarofsky here. We are back live uh, at our beautiful studio here in the Chicago Sun-Times building uh, with Maya Dukmasova of the Chicago Reader, the great Maya, as we call her. And uh, we've been talking about Chicago politics. Uh, Maya wrote an excellent story in today's Reader. I urge absolutely everybody to run, don't walk, uh, to read it. Just 14 seats hanging the balance, and it's a breakdown of the uh, automatic runoffs Uh, that are awaiting voters throughout the city of Chicago on April 2nd. Maya, talk a little bit about this, um, some of these important
5: races. Yeah, so the uh, 14 wards that have runoff elections coming up, they kind of divvy up into uh, two categories. There's wards where there are open seats, where there's runoffs between new candidates. So either way, we're going to get... new faces in city council. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, the 39th ward on the far north side. That's where Margaret Lorino is retiring. Um, There's the 47th ward, uh, Amir Pawar's ward, um, and Rahm Emanuel's ward, uh, where we have a runoff as well. Um, We've got the 25th ward, Danny Solis's old ward. And then the 20th ward, uh, this is the Woodlawn, um, Inglewood, back of the Yards area, south of the University of Chicago. And all of these wards have kind of interesting um, matchups between candidates, some of whom are, um, I mean, uh, Maybe with the exclusion of the 39th Ward, um, it's a little bit uh, more uh, traditional democratic up there. But like the 47th, 25th and 30th Ward have uh, really progressive candidates who have been embraced by a lot of progressive groups in the city. And um, these are going to be really kind of epic, uh, I think, showdowns between these. But but whatever happens, I think um, in, in. We get new faces in city council. Um, And then there's wards where there are runoffs against incumbents. And some of these, I think, are wards that have a long kind of history of having very close elections, often low turnout, and the incumbent sort of election cycle after election cycle tends to sort of squeak by. And others are wards in which there are these like titanic clashes between very you know, uh, v- very moneyed candidates who some of them have been in power for a very, very long time. Um, and, and sort of upstart progressive challengers. So in, in the category of like wards that often have close elections, you've got, uh, the 15th and 16th ward. Um, these are, um, um, let's see tony fuchs and folks fuchs, yeah and uh and uh ray lopez so mm-hmm. they've they've had they've both of them have dealt with runoffs before uh tony has dealt with them even when she was the former 16th ward alderman and then she got you know the borders changed and she became the 15th ward alderman so um and they've got challengers that they're familiar with same thing with the 21st ward howard Brookins. Um, He's uh, dealt with runoffs very frequently and he always manages to squeak by. Um, And but then there are, for example, oh, and also Millie Santiago's in the 31st ward. And then there's, uh, for example, the 30th ward where Ariel Robueras, who's been in in office for a long, long time, is facing a challenge uh, from the left, from uh, Luis Gutierrez's daughter. And uh, this uh, Ariel Robueras is a huge ally of Rahm Emanuel. He's got tons of money backing him. And, um, you know, uh, the, the, the challenger also has good, good, good connections and, and, and money connections, um, but this will be, be an interesting um, race. There is also the 40th Ward where your favorite, mm. not <laughs> Patrick O'Connor, <laughs> is facing Andre Vasquez yeah. in, in the runoff. Yeah. Um, Vasquez is the, is the progressive candidate. There was a slew of progressive candidates running against um, Patrick O'Connor, and I sort of predict that they'll line up behind andre vasquez at this point actually i just got a call from andre yesterday personally he was like trying to see like feel me out if i was going to write anything about the 40th ward uh but i think that um you know him making personal calls of this nature sort of speaks to how seriously he's 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 taking every every inch of this race at this point point. and um, same kind of dynamic in the 46th ward with James Kappelman facing a runoff against Marion Lalonde. And you know actually, you had Lori Lightfoot on, on your show at the hideout on Tuesday, and this there was this interesting moment where Lori said uh, I just got off the phone on the way over here. I was just on the phone with Jim Kappelman mm-hmm. and like asking him to like slow, slow the roll on this Lincoln Yards, um, you know, uh, TIF deal and to like slow the process down in the zoning committee. Cause Kappelman is now the zoning committee chair. Mm-hmm. And she was saying all this stuff about how, like, you know, it seemed like he was hearing her and blah, blah, blah. But the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like she is backing his challenger. Like Marianne Lalonde, she's one of the only alderman candidates who got Laurie's endorsement. So like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me how she's going to be persuasive with Kappelman when she is like bankrolling and supporting, uh, well actually, yeah, I don't, I don't know about the bankrolling part, uh, what the latest with the numbers are, but she's supporting his challenger in that ward. So, um. And uh, like I'd pointed out before, all of there were five people running against Kappelman, all of them from a progressive, like, left-leaning platform. I, re- I think that, you know, the, all of their bases are going to probably line up behind Marianne. Um, although the interesting thing was that uh, Kappelman won the pl- plurality of votes in every precinct in that ward except for one, where Marianne Lalonde won, the plurality of votes. So I... Um, you know, it, it it's in, his base is uh, maybe bigger than some folks anticipated. I think it's going to come down to really turning out a lot more people to come to the polls. Um. Then we got the 33rd word, Deb mm-hmm. Mel. Deb-El. Deb mm-hmm. Mel. Deb uh, So she's she's facing, she actually got fewer, a, a smaller percentage of the vote that her challenger, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, who's uh, the Democratic Socialist of America candidate. Um, I feel like if you are the incumbent and you're getting fewer votes than your challenger in the first round, that's like, mm. that's... Uh, doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, And then the last one I I was going to mention is the fifth ward,
3: Mm -hmm. Leslie
5: Harrison, in a runoff with Will Calloway, the community organizer. I think that the third candidate there was Gabriel Piemonte, I think, who also ran on a progressive uh, platform. I think his supporters are probably going to go with Calloway. It's, uh, yeah, it was very close. I'll I'll be very interested to see, very interested to see what'll happen there. Cause that's where the Obama presidential center is supposed to be.
1: Well, it's interesting. Uh, generally at this time of year, there are not controversial city council votes, uh, so aldermen can run; they can make up a, a record for themselves, and they're not going to be held accountable for anything. Uh, as we speak, there's a zoning committee meeting chaired uh, by uh, Alderman kappelman that you just alluded what to. What is doing right uh, now? On the uh, Lincoln Yards TIF deal, as I keep telling people, it's 1.3 billion that they're going to dole out uh, to build a, an upscale complex in a gentrifying neighborhood. So it could be for the first time ever, Maya, like a. A pending issue in the city council would have an impact on an aldermanic race because this, this, the if the if Kapelman lets us get through the zoning committee, uh, it goes to finance, which is chaired by your good friend Patrick O'Connor, uh, who's running good against. <laughs> who's running against Andre Vasquez? Of course, Ed Burke used to be the chair of the finance committee, and he got in trouble, so Patrick O'Connor moved mm-hmm. in, and then the full council will have to vote on it. So this will happen before. The April 2nd election. So all these incumbents that you just uh, ran down uh, will have to vote on a very divisive issue uh, that many people are paying attention to.
5: Yeah, and it is perhaps like this may be the only circumstance in which there are direct and immediate political ramifications for what they do in those council meetings that, you know, are typically these very poorly attended boring affairs.
1: All right, very good. Maya, thank you so much for everything. We bring Maya on. We Drag her in here every Thursday to talk politics. It's a blast talking politics with Maya. Ryan Kelly's and up where, next. where can people find you, Maya? Oh, yes.
5: ChicagoReader.com. Find me there uh, in the news and politics section. And you
1: can also tweet her. She's really oh, yeah. into Twitter. Yeah, Did you yeah. Know? Find
5: me on Twitter. Also follow Ben on Twitter. Maybe if he gets 10,000 followers, he'll come back to Twitter. Instead. Oh,
3: God, <laughs> So <my. laughs>
5: I'm on Twitter oh, at Lord. M-D-O-U-K-M-A-S spell that again m-d-o-u-k-m-a-s wow
1: all right there you go maya uh, on twitter thank you much maya ryan kelly next we'll be right back
2: hey there producer dennis here thanks for finding and listening to the brand new ben Jarovsky show all right so here's how this works the Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun Times YouTube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast yes the Ben Jarofsky show is back we're live and downloaded tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun Times. Read the daily paper or online at Chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader, For a deeper dive in the Daily Chicago News and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show, live and downloaded, in moments. Yes, it's true. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show, live and downloaded, in moments. But the Ben Jarofsky Show, for your Thursday, March 7th. Wait, is... This- Sponsored by some very important people here. These hardworking men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this new venture. So we would like to thank the following unions for making this show possible. First up the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Aerospace, Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Big thank you to those unions. Our show wouldn't be possible without you. And once again, a giant thank you to the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, with that said, hour number two of the Ben Jaromsky Show. Begins now. It is Thursday, March 7th. And live from the Chicago Suntime Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, Union Man Ryan Kelly joins us. And we welcome... 32nd ward alderman the one the only around here we call him scotty scott wagas pack and now your host and eh, around here we just call him ben
3: <laughs> chicago yeah. reader columnist
2: ben jarofsky
1: yes indeed ben jarofsky here uh, ryan kelly in the studio all right folks let me just say this at the old place where he used to work before I was fired I used to have union guys come on all the time it was a regular uh segment of the show and then I they they bounced me leave beat it scram anyway one of the first uh persons I called was this young man sitting across me Ryan Kelly and I told him uh man I was fired last night and uh the loyalty that this dude showed me at that moment I'll never forget he gave me a peps i don't know where you were like on a street somewhere with your kid or something I don't know where- yeah
6: i was i was just like you know what i gotta take this and uh you know i was like man you know i just keep looking up you know we were we were 100 you know all the unions everybody that was affiliated with the uh, old show um was, was fully behind you and i think that's reflective of the sponsorships that uh you were able to secure here and um yeah man i mean i felt for you uh i thought that show was really taken off it had a really good gut feeling and um you know as a sponsor, also, we were, we were kind of shocked by all that. But, you know, it is what it is, and, and we move forward. We and move so, forward. And here man. we are. Here we are. <laughs> this, what
1: are you, pretty cool, huh?
6: This little studio they built here. Oh, this is great. Yeah. You know? um, I, I was telling my staff earlier, I'm like, you know, this kind of is like a little bit of closure today. Um, I had a child in December, so I took the end of the month off. So what would have been my spot for December, which turned out would have been my last spot ever on the show, unknowing what was going on, um, I never got to come back on. I was just like, wow. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's gone. They, my buddy, Jeff Johnson from Local 9, he was on like the day before everything went down. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was just, uh, I was like, wow, I had so many things to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I had to call Jeff Johnson.
1: uh, uh About two weeks ago, talk about uh, pension issues. The guy knows more about pensions than anyone alive. He's brilliant with it. Uh, And uh, so I go, Yeah, you know, dude, uh, you were like my last guest before I got the heave ho. And he he said, "Ah, It wasn't my fault, I swear. (laughs) Anyway, that was then, and this is now. So we do move forward, correct, young man?
6: Absolutely. We are moving forward. It's moved. <laughs> uh,
1: all right now uh before we take the uh, deep dive on the political issues of the day the issues facing unions as they approach this mayoral election and uh, talk about the uh, Meg janice a favorite topic of ours i just uh, take a moment uh to reflect on what happened in aurora and uh, you and i talked about this on the phone we had a uh, private conversation when this w- went down the shooting in aurora talk about that a little bit Ryan.
6: yeah so that happened at a, a, a company where we represent workers called pratt and um you know Two of the victim, three actually. Well, three of the victims, two deceased, uh, were were members of our union, mm-hmm. and my boss at District Eight. Uh, this was his specific group, and one of the members I, I had met just briefly at an event, but uh, he had a really great reputation. That was Russ Beyer, um, as a uh, just a great unionist. I mean, he was in there um, representing a worker, you know, while all this happened, and and there was also staff from the company that were affected by this as well. So. Um, to me, it's been a, a catalyst to, you know, really open the discussion when I talk with other HR teams on like, you know, if we have members on the floor that, you know, are um, maybe encountering stress or encountering things like that, um, but just to have a, a broader conversation and, you know, it seems like these shootings, um, I was reading an article, I forget who wrote it, but it's, this sort of stuff's just like, it, people are becoming numb to it mm-hmm. and, and. You know i i tell people does, does it have to land in your backyard um for it to hap you know for us to have a a larger conversation of which content i don't know what it will be but you know two guys went to work and never went home to their families so and then and, and also you know to, well should i say two two of our members there are th- five people that passed in this uh company representatives as well and th- this is this affects all of them so you know that's something to think about and with that said there is a support mechanism to help the families, all five families, not just the union members, everybody affected by this tragedy, um, to you know reach out. And that's the Aurora Strong movement. Um, there's a GoFundMe page. Uh, there's a hashtag, hashtag AuroraStrong. And um, the community over there has really um, rallied around it. And the IAM has really rallied around it, uh, not only in a local lodge level, but a district level and a national level as well. So. Um, you know, I, I, I send my condolences again out to the family members affected by that because that's just a, it's a tragedy. And um, it especially I think it especially affected workers, advocates like myself and Bob Ryder actually wrote something really you know, interesting about that as well. So um, because, it, you know, everybody's been in that room representing somebody. And, you know, it's a it's it can be a stressful experience. So you never know what can happen. Bob Ryder, president of the Chicago Federation of Labor, uh, was supposed
1: to be in the show yesterday. Uh, Robert, <laughs> we'll have to bring him back. Uh, he, had a, he had something came up and he couldn't make it uh, to the show. All right. Let's talk a little mayoral politics. Uh, Ryan, um, I hear this from so many people in the city of Chicago, uh, particularly union people, a little unsure about who they're going to support. A lot of people are undecided, actually, who they're going to support. It's one thing to see a union as a a group support a candidate, but then you have the individual members of the union you know they, they don't always just follow whatever it is that the union uh the union leaders vote on or uh so what would your advice be uh, for union members in the city of Chicago when they try to evaluate what they're looking for in a candidate for mayor
6: well a lot of organizations handle the the politics differently. Um, we have like a committee, for example, that are made up of members who volunteer to be on the committee, and then uh, decisions. You know, there there are think tank sessions on like who are we going to get behind and and um, if we're going to offer support, if we're going to hang back, or whatever the case may be. Um, so, I, I think a, I don't. Our organization's set up as such that you know we have an open door policy. You want to get involved with that sort of stuff, come on down, give us a call, call the office, say you want to volunteer some time. And we have some really, really strong guys on that on that committee that handles that. And just as a, you know, in the general leadership of just say local Lodge 126, um, it's, it's pretty solid. But um, I am always very hyper, like uh, conscious of, you know, keeping our members engaged. I don't ever want the leadership to be doing anything that's like, you know, it it appears to the majority of our members that you know we're not looking for their input we're always looking for their input so um with that said uh I think a lot of unions are are taking a a good look at this race Uh, I'll be quite honest I don't think anybody saw the result uh and the outcome of it to be what it was Uh, I think Lori really came out of left field and really you know ran a, a good strong smart campaign and uh and obviously Tony Preckwinkle is a very experienced um um politician and campaigner so um everybody um a lot well a lot of the the people i know um are are taking a good honest look at this and making sure you know deciding if they want to be involved with it if they uh want to create an alliance there or if they you know just want to say hey ladies you're gonna you're both gonna set history no matter what um and you know have at it and may may the best lady win you know i uh
1: uh, I was not, I was one of the many people who was, uh, caught off guard. I, my official prediction, I have to acknowledge this cause it's on tape anyway, Ryan, <laughs> uh, was that <laughs> the runoff would be between Tony Preckwinkle and Bill Daly. and, uh, Lloyd Lightfoot's victory. She actually won the, um, plurality of the vote. Yes, she did. Uh, completely caught me by surprise. And, um, so I was not expecting this runoff, this particular runoff. That said, just for a moment, let's pause and think, Daly Preckwinkle would have been, an, in my opinion, an obvious choice for union members because Daley was actually uh, proposing to uh, uh, strip from the Constitution the language that protects the pension rights of um, municipal employees. Uh, that was his way of dealing with some of the uh, budget issues that Chicago faces, and you remember this from the old show, I was very much against that. Um, I think that's a direct investment in neighborhoods and people who live in the city of Chicago and so we should do uh, that before we do things like investing in building uh, a whole new neighborhood uh, uh, in a gentrifying area. I think we should invest in people who actually live and work in the city of Chicago. That's off the table now. So you must feel some kind of uh,
6: relief that, that the pension issues, uh, pension cuts are not on the table. I believe both their platforms reflect uh, a pension is a promise and that there isn't an interest, uh, at least at this time, to open up the state constitution, which, uh, kind of regulates how our pensions are formed. Um, as someone who, uh, was a civil servant and worked for the city, um, you know, you talk about investing. We also got to invest in the people that invest their lives into this city and invest their, you know, they, they plan, some of them plan their retirements around, um, you know, what they're expecting for most of their career and what appears to be in a pension or whatever the case may be. So, uh, yeah, it definitely changed the dynamic. I, if it had been Preckwinkle and Bill Daly, I think everybody would have resoundedly probably gotten behind Preckwinkle, but both their platforms on that issue are, are, are uh, well, both of Tony and Lori's uh, uh, platforms are, are very very similar, if not identical, on on the issue of pensions. My guest in the studio is union man Ryan Kelly. We'll be right back after this.
2: Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question, you can find previous Ben Jarovsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarovsky Show. J O R A V as in Victory S K Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live from the
1: Chicago Sun-Times. Ben Jarofsky here with me in the studio. Ryan Kelly from the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. That's aerospace, not aerosmith, all right?
6: Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> you have to be a long-time listener to appreciate why we're laughing right now.
1: Oh, my goodness. The it's first throwback. time Ryan came on the show, I said Aerosmith.
2: Throwback Thursday here on the Benji Ravsky well, show. I
1: actually, I don't believe I actually said Aerosmith. No, you I did. think I— Oh, I did say yeah, it? Oh, yeah, okay. Absolutely. I thought I was going to say it. And then it was like, oh, you were
6: going to say it. I was like, no, man. Well, wasn't. that was after the third or fourth time. It <laughs> became like a mental block. Like So each show started out oh, with this laughing about Yeah, man. You got it down now. I'm going to kind of miss that. We got a lot of mileage out of it.
1: Well, first of all, I don't really have it down. I, I struggle with dyslexia my whole life. And one of the things I do is something gets lodged in my brain, Ryan. It's like really hard to unlodge it. So I just, you got to confront. We have dyslexia. Any parents out there? You have kids with dyslexia. You just got to deal with it and confront it. And one way to do it is just acknowledge that you uh, struggle with aerospace and Aerosmith. I'm a big fan of Aerosmith,
6: by the way. Hey, I'm all for that, you know. I mean, uh, uh, organization aside, I mean. Aerosmith workers is pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> what is an Aerosmith worker? Have, like, it's not like they need to organize. Folks. It's like
1: you yeah, the the, the 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 roadies for Aerosmith. That's who the Aerosmith workers. are. All right, Ryan Kelly. Um, a lot of times when you were in the show in the past, we talked about the Janus case. And the Janus case, of course, uh, was named for a where a state employee who claimed that he had a First Amendment protector right not to pay union dues, all right? And uh, his case was largely sponsored by that old governor whose name I seem to no longer recall. Oh, yes, Bruce Rauner was his name. Voldemort. Uh, Voldemort took it all the way to the Supreme Court, was victorious, I believe, by a 5-4 to margin, in part because Donald Trump's uh, nominee uh, voted with the anti-union forces. And they celebrated, they thought for certain, that um, this was going to be a triumph that would destroy the union movement or really undercut it or weaken it, uh, defund it, if you will, because people could drop off. So um, two things have happened. One, let's break it down point by point. There hasn't been or it doesn't seem there's been a tremendous uh, erosion of support for unions by the union members. And two, there's a counterattack. Before we get to the counterattack, talk about the former. Uh, whether Now that union employees have the right, Uh, thanks to uh, Bruce Rauner and the Supremes not to pay uh, their union dues are more of them paying union or are more of them dropping out or is it staying about the same?
6: Um, I think for the, the organizations that we align with um, we've not had a a very negative response from that. And Uh, I'm always proud of the fighting machinists because they, I think they find the value in our union and, um, we, we've personally not had to deal with anybody calling in to opt out. So, so good on those guys. And, and I think they, they see what we bring to the table with our bargaining and our negotiations, not only now, but historically. So, um, when you talk about Janice now, Janice, I, 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 this was like personal for me, um, Janice, the decision in the, the the previous case was like Freericks versus the state of California. Um, basically, cookie cutter, led, you know, cookie cutter lawsuits that were being funded by these uh, uh, dark money groups uh, funded by the Kochs in order to just basically, you know, um, prove this First Amendment issue. And, you know, even while that was coming down. So the decision fell, I believe, it was on June 27th. Um, and or it was July 27th. It's one of the two over the summer. And, and it ruled in that favor. And there was like this big, like, yay, you know, like from the, from the, the parties who funded this thing, mm-hmm. um, for Mark Janis, who then gave him a job <laughs> as a senior fellow. Tell, tell me about that one, huh? He gets paid to drive around and, and talk to, to groups now about his, you know, David versus Goliath battle. Um, I'll tell you what folks, I take my, my, my civil service very seriously. The second that guy found, had a good probability he was going to win his case he retired from the state yeah like right after the case dropped he retired and he left Mm -hmm. um so and took a cushy gig with the people that paid for his lawsuit so uh think about that where where were his interests really um with that said um so the case came down and thankfully especially here in the chicagoland area we've got some some very you know this is the 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 mecca of the labor movement as my one of my uh Overseers, this guy, Kevin Murch, I think he's listening right now. You know, he loves Chicago. He represents, you know, at the territory level, nine different states worth of people. But, um, you know, so we've got some very proactive unions, including Local 150 that that took, they saw this coming from a mile away and they said it outright, you know, be careful what you ask for. Um, because if Janice is saying that, well, Mark Janice, his, his First Amendment rights were um, being violated um, or by his you know, forced association with the union. Well, what about the the large majority of our members who are, are being, you know, basically party to injury, be, you know, having to pay the freight for the people that don't um, want to pay union dues. Mm-hmm. They're negatively being affected. That's like, that's like if the guy next to me, you know, th- suddenly doesn't have to pay his car insurance premiums, but it's our group pool and our risk pool that has to carry that, that, that free rider. So. Um, so they filed a lawsuit basically arguing that Now, um, who filed the lawsuit? That was uh, local one fifty, the operating engineer. So well, that, that <laughs> local one yeah, fifty a bad bunch of boys. <laughs> yeah. It's guys like Ed Maher yeah, and, 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 and Company, Jim yeah. Sweeney, all them. They're they're really forward thinking yeah. groups. That, yeah. They fight hard. <laughs> they fight really hard. Yeah. And, and I like that. <laughs> so yeah. that's so that's great. So they had this case and it went in front of a um, uh, a judge and on February sixth it was basically um mm-hmm. Uh, ruled that uh, Judge Coleman validated the arguments um, as ripe for examination, stating that Janus created an imminent constitutional injury against unions whose First un- First Amendment rights were also expanded by Janus to allow us the freedom not to associate with workers who choose not to associate with us. Wow, let's just
1: pause to think about that for a moment, folks. So the argument that uh, the Koch brother uh, allies concocted uh, to undercut unions was that you... Uh, employees who were uh, had a, a job, a state job or a city job or what have you, a government-funded job, had a First Amendment right not to have to pay their union dues. So the union said, all right, two can play that game. If you have a First Amendment right, which, by the way, I think, is stretching the First Amendment like a piece of bubble gum over a sidewalk and then driving weaponizing over. Weaponizing the First Amendment. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, weaponizing the First Amendment. But all right, you got a First Amendment right uh, not to have to pay union dues that we, the union, have a First Amendment right uh, not to to uh, that to represent you because you don't pay the dues. Correct. That's, you know, it's good for one It's good for the other, right?
6: So it remains to be seen how that case will shake out. But additionally, there's also legislation being proposed, uh, at least on an Illinois level that may go to the federal Supreme Court, kind of arguing this the, the, well, I'm sorry, not the legislation. Legislation is being worked on on a state level, but it's the same concept of, you know, it costs money to represent people, Mm -hmm. you know, so we have to bargain for people as, as the, you know, per the the national labor relations Act. we have to bargain for a bargaining unit. But the question is, do we have to represent them in a grievance? I mean, I'll negotiate your contract, but if your contract gets violated, do I, you know, let's talk about what processing a grievance costs. Let's talk about what going to arbitration costs, which estimates are usually about five to $10,000 a case. So, you know, do we, Come up with a fee structure. So this is all being worked on. All the unions that represent public sector workers are um, uh, there. There's some variations on what the what the the final product will look like, but everybody's working together to kind of identify that because it, it's again, it's about our members who are in good standing and who who are proud of their unions, who are are proud of the work that they do um, collectively. And you know, and what about their rights as workers? Mm-hmm. You know, having to pay for the guy that doesn't want to pay his dues. You know. Um, so that that's all being explored, and it's really excited, exciting, like forward-thinking progress. And I give uh, the, the the leaders that are uh, a proponent of that whole movement, um, very exciting. I'm 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 working with it too. I'm I'm just like kind of in awe watching what's coming together. So, and and we're gonna keep fighting like that, so that everybody knows that that's what we do. Because we don't sit back and just take something like that. That it's just you know. Uh, disguised as a First Amendment issue. And really, it, the whole idea, the premise was that it would erode um, uh, unions away. Well, I
1: have to say this, that one thing I have been encouraged by the li- recent trends, uh, definitely on the local level, we saw this in the gubernatorial race, we're seeing in the city race, uh, we're seeing in the national race. Uh, about 10 years ago, it's an evolution, if you will, Uh, Ryan, from where we were about 10 years ago. About 10 years ago, so many Democrats were speaking uh, like uh, Republicans when it came to unions. And you know, long line of unions I come from, and two of them. Uh, And uh, I just, I didn't think that was, I I never thought that was in the best interest of people who, like this is focused on Chicago, who people who live in Chicago, if a union job pays more than a non-union job, you want... You want some more of an equal distribution of money in a city, I don't believe it's healthy for a city to have people who are fabulously wealthy and people who are really poor. So you want some kind of protection for people in the middle. And I just could never understand why Democrats would sign on to an anti-union rhetoric. But that's where we were, Ryan, back in 2010, 2011, 2012. We've sort of evolved from that, to use a favorite political term. And I saw that in the 2016 campaign. Where even Pritzker, who comes from that sort of ROM school, he moved left and he became a big a- supporter of unions. And now in this mayoral race, we've seen uh, that the two front runners are pro union uh, in their rhetoric and pro union. And the one candidate uh, who was espousing an anti union point of view, at least in terms of the pensions, Bill Daly, uh, didn't even make the runoff. So you got to be encouraged by that.
2: We are.
6: And, you know,. Uh... Business, as far as unions go and our ability to represent, um, you know, there's been an uptick while all this is going on and we're building towards this like sort of critical mass thing. I think it's waking up the union members and waking the sleeping giant, per se, because people are realize there's a there's a lot of wealth inequality out there. Um, there are things that are just happening in general where people are, you know, it, you talk about the economy and everything. Like, oh, the economy's doing great. You know, OK, GDP doesn't put food on your table. Um, And we've got, you know, a lot of people, the math is in that, you know, wages are stalled. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no trickle down that's happening. So people are now turning to their unions or they're organizing to say, you know what, Um, we need to have a a better seat at the table to secure, not only better pay, but the, you know, wages and well, you got wages, benefits, but, you know, one thing I always loved about the union contract was just explaining, you know, what your days off are and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what, what are your duties and responsibilities on the job? And, this is your job, this isn't your job, that sort of thing, um, just to lay it out, what the expectations are. And it's a two-sided contract. The company signs it, too. So everybody has an understanding at that point. And I think that's becoming very valuable in a world where people are continuously being asked to do more at work. The work week is expanding. Um, I think I read somewhere it's like the average person right now is working you know, well over 40 hours a week. Um, 40 hours a week is, you know, even though it's identified as like the standard work week, it's, it's going away. And... As we get digital, you know, people are taking emails in the evening. People are doing—I mean, there's a lot more work that people are doing now that they're not being compensated for, and I think people are kind of uh, calling for an end to that. And you're seeing that in your world a lot. You see a lot of journalists, um, a lot of a lot of journalist groups across the country are are, are um, unionizing, and and that's exciting to see. Ryan Kelly is my guest. Before I let you get out the door, Ryan, we're
1: going to be talking a lot about this. Uh, obviously, once this mayoral race mayoral race is over, but uh, just your Opening thoughts, as you see the uh, presidential race just start, I think there's like 10 Democrats have already announced maybe more, have lost track. I
6: feel like we're we're doing this all over (laughs) Uh,
1: again. Are there any that jump out at you as uh, ones that unions should look out for that are particularly pro-union?
6: To to be completely fair, I have because of just, we just had a state election and a local election. I'm a big fan of local politics. So, uh, you know, our future presidential candidates are being built today locally. So no, I don't really have any input on the, the national election outside of, um, you know, there's going to, those candidates better be prepared to answer for, you know, the wealth inequality and things like that. So um, I look forward to seeing what their platforms are and how they evolve. All right. Very good. That's Ryan Kelly. Uh, Thanks for coming in, Ryan. I appreciate it. Alderman Scott
1: Wagasback's on deck. We'll be right back after this.
2: If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at Publisher at Chicago Reader Corp at corpiazandpaul dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarovsky Show live and downloaded in moments. The Ben Jarovsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader music arts and culture film extensive event calendars concert listings and more including weekly political columns from writers like maya dukmasova and yes our very own ben jarofsky the chicago reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com that's chicagoreader.com Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun Times. Yes, indeed, we are live in our beautiful
1: studio that built for us here in the Sun Times building. Uh, Scott Waggsback, alderman from the 32nd Ward, is with me. Ryan Kelly sticking around. He's working on his phone. I won't bother him right now. Uh, doctor D Dennis behind the board, wheeling and dealing as always. What you got for me, young man?
2: Not a doctor. Uh, a lot of things here. Well, Scott just handed me a Chicago <laughs> Sun Times. <laughs> Well, I can't help myself here. I just got to look at it. Hang tight with me, guys. Oh, my goodness. Michelle Obama to get first official Chicago namesake at Alma Mater.
1: That's correct. Whitney Young High School. Oh, that's yeah. insane. Gonna, okay. I think they're going to name the track
2: after her. I'm doing my uh, inner Ben Jarofsky here. Yeah. that newspaper, guys? Yeah, that's a newspaper. Go check out the Chicago Sun-Times if you get a chance. Also, the Chicago Reader. It's a fantastic newspaper. All right, we're going to take this time to uh, talk with our Facebook Folks, uh, we are currently on Facebook. Ben, could you spell that last name for him, please? Uh, which last name? Kelly, Wagaspank, or Jarofsky?
1: All three at <laughs> okay. one time. Oh my no, God. your last name. <laughs> All right. Kelly wins the uh, yeah, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. J-O-R-A-V, as in victory, as my beloved Bulls did last night. 108 to 107. Zach Levine with the ball, going down, slam dunk. V as in victory? Oh, I'm sorry. J-O-R-A-V,
2: as in victory, S K. K-Y. So there you go. You have no excuse. At Benny J Show on Twitter, by the way. B-E-N-N-Y J Show <laughs> at Twitter for those wondering. Uh, right now on the Ben Jarosky Show Facebook page, we are at 500 80 likes that is right people at 580 not much more to go ben you see that mountain up ahead mm. see that couldn't kiss the day. Yes. okay no singing oh, see that mountain up ahead buddy uh, yeah that's 600 isn't that, it that's 600 yeah. we're gonna get there soon enough just keep your head <laughs> down let's keep on all working right, here all right, right they knocked us down to
1: zero remember when they crushed our old oh yeah, yeah, I know. Didn't, transfer they, over. <laughs> yeah
2: didn't transfer over nah, didn't transfer over they got rid of it <laughs> they blew it up yeah
1: that so sound we're. you hear is our Facebook page getting blown up. <laughs>
2: but it's back, and it's a grassroots campaign. People, yes, all indeed. hands on deck. Head Come over on. to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. Give the page a like. Remember, people, when we hit 1,000 likes, right. we will have our next caption contest right. so what, mm-hmm. what kind of caption contest will it be maybe it'll be a Chicago mayoral runoff right. caption Could contest yeah. if we get it before April 2nd mm-hmm. so head over to the Ben Jarofsky show Facebook page give us a like if you've yet to yet uh, tell your friends it's going to be fantastic. All right. I do have an update. Ben, go ahead and uh, what's the song again? Conquistador,
1: your stallions. Scott Wagensbeck, do you know that song? I know you're much younger than me, but does this, that, when you hear this word, Conquistador, your stallions. I mean, Translation, does that mean-
2: Scott Wagensbeck, am
4: I old? <laughs>
1: <laughs> does that mean anything to you? No. <laughs> I thought
4: no. you were
1: going to play the Rocky song when you were uh, No. Ryan Kelly, does that mean anything to you? No. Okay. You're no. both too young. Sorry, man. <laughs>
2: yeah, sorry, Ben. You're
1: You're Bro- old cool
4: harem, guys! Right. Hang tight, <laughs>
5: millennials. But seriously,
2: guys, we do have an update, too, as well. Uh, looks like here that Paul Manafort oh, we're still waiting. Paul Manafort is due in court uh, any moment now uh-huh. for his sentencing hearing. Yeah. Uh, former Trump campaign uh, chair who was found guilty of eight felony crimes mm. last August. Yeah, that guy. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here we are months later and we are waiting for uh, his sentencing hearing uh if we find out how long he'll be sentenced for before the show ends well we'll update you with that all right
1: very good uh yeah paul manafort about to get what he deserves in some people's opinion i think some people would include me uh scott Waggisback, back welcome back to the show
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, this is the first time you've been in this little studio. What do you think, huh? Not bad, huh?
4: It's Pretty right cool. next to the bathrooms, like you yeah. said the other day. <laughs> right down the halls from the bathrooms. Yeah, so it's convenient. You know. Dennis produces from stall number three. Oh, so. oh wow. <laughs> okay. It uh, really We walk by, and he's like, "Look, we're right by the bathrooms <laughs> here." Uh, yeah, that, that
6: speakerphone in the bathroom stall thing. Yeah. <laughs> it really works well. Um, Uh, Scott Wagsbeck
1: is the alderman from the 32nd Ward, and he was reelected in large part because he had no opponent uh, in the last election. Scott, I think you just discovered that it's really hard to lose an election if you're running unopposed. (laughs) So congratulations, you, number one. Congratulations, uh, And uh, you also have supported, you've endorsed Lori Lightfoot. Uh, before we get started, let's talk about, before we get started on some of the other issues of the day, let's talk about a little bit about that. Uh, yesterday in the studio, uh, we had your colleague, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who is the alderman of the uh, 35th Ward, which is not far from where you uh, uh, your ward is on the north side of Chicago. And uh, he's a big a fan of Tony Preckwinkle. So we're doing our best to have uh, representatives from both campaigns. Just so you know, tomorrow, Stacey Davis-Gates will be in the studio from the Chicago Teachers Union. Big supporter of Tony Preckwinkle. Ryan Kelly in the studio today. Neutral in the race right now. Scott Wag is back in the studio right now. You're supporting Lori Lightfoot. Why are you supporting Lori?
4: Well, I think, you know, I've known Tony for a long time. Um, I worked with her in the city council. I looked at kind of what's been happening over the last few months and um, few years. And just said, you know, I felt like it was a good time to see uh, a fresh face in the fifth floor, somebody who was really going after um, a lot of the problems that we're having in the city departments with, um, you know, some of the scandals that Mayor Emanuel's kind of brought on and wanted to see somebody come in that could work with those different departments, change the functions, um, change the city council or help us change ourselves. And really look at um, how we improve the city as a whole, and I felt that Lori Lightfoot was the person to do that.
1: Now when did you uh, come to this decision to uh, support Lori? Uh,
4: you know we were we were talking to different members of the campaigns uh, for quite a while, and um, it, it was weighed heavily you know I, like I said, I think they have good there's good aspects of both of them um, and a lot of people obviously in this election I mean you saw the turnout, it was low, it was low throughout the day of the election. Mm -hmm. I was getting a ton of people who couldn't make up their minds. Um, There were people, you know, I I would say in the top five people, obviously there was a bunch of people that kind of fell off the cliff in terms of percentages, but um, people were really undecided and it was a difficult decision for everyone. So I narrowed it down to the two um, African-American women who are now vying for that seat and I felt that Lori was the best person um shortly before the election.
1: Now, did you have to break this news to Tony yourself? Did you t- did you tell her that you were going to endorse Lori?
4: Um no, I didn't. I I talked to Tony um before that and um I just you know, I felt it was difficult, but I felt that um things weren't going in the direction that I thought they should with the issues with Burke, um the history of Barrios, uh the Scott Sizek. Nazi meme, uh, things were kind of adding up and it just wasn't looking very
1: good. The Burke in question, of course, is Alderman Ed Burke, Alderman of the 14th Ward Finance Committee Chair, was indicted, I want to say a month or so ago, I've lost track of time, Scott, but uh, he was indicted uh, for uh, trying, allegedly uh, trying to shake down uh, a Burger King franchisees to get him, force him to... uh, uh, you hire Burke for his property tax law yeah. business. Uh, so anyway, that's the Burke in question, and that really did uh, hurt Tony Perkwinkle's campaign. I'm going to give uh, Tony Prickwinkle a shout-out right here on this point. And this came out when we were talking with Maya earlier in the show. Uh, and this crystallized in my mind. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle has had to deal with issues, budgetary issues, as an elected official. Yep. Uh, so it's one thing to run for office and promise people that you're not going to raise taxes, which... I know as a longtime Chicago resident who pays property taxes, that is not true. You're telling something to somebody that is not true. Yeah. Uh, I remember Mayor Daley, Mayor Daley, Baby, Baby, the Bill Daley ran on a, pl- a platform to um,
4: put a moratorium
1: yeah, on property. property Come tax. on, that was ridiculous. Was. We all knew that. Nobody was Nobody in the city believes nobody that. We the, have
4: pension it, payments to make. Uh, that are coming due in 2021. We have to find revenue for that. We have to find work with the state to find new sources of revenue. That's just one issue among many. And the the people who and they were all you know people who are running saying that. I mean, it was just absurd.
1: Absolutely absurd. If anybody believes that, they deserve what they get. All right. Now, having said that, uh, so Tony has uh, real experience dealing with Mm -hmm. budgets, passing budgets, uh, dealing with the consequences, the anger, the the kickback from people who don't like the taxes that she's implementing, don't like the fees that she's implementing. Lori Lightfoot has never run for office. She's never served office. She's never had to pass a budget. She's never had to round up the votes to get a budget, and she's never had to deal with the public backlash to a tax increase. So from that uh, regard, you would think, you would say, well, uh, Tony's got more experience than Lori. Uh, Address that issue.
4: Well, there's a lot of people who run for office and who are running for office right now, both as aldermen and across this country, who are bringing other experience to the table. And um, we see people running for president that don't have that kind of experience. Um, I think they all deserve an opportunity to run and prove themselves. Uh, you know, a lot of us didn't have legislative or big boardroom experience and we ran and I think we've done pretty well. Um, you know, you look at, you argue often that mayor Emanuel has done a lot of things wrong and he had a lot of legislative and big business experience and look how he turned.
1: (laughs) You're throwing that argument at me. Very well done, Scott. (laughs) Well, actually, I had the other argument because people. The I always call it the David Axelrod line because he invented it. I think he always say, "Are they ready to uh, be mayor from day one?" And they always said that. Well, oh, Rom's ready to be mayor. I mean, yeah. What did Rom ever do in 2011 I, I, to yeah. show he never was a mayor? He never passed a budget. He never
3: t- he, took the backlash. Yeah,
4: and he certainly didn't have the empathy I think that a lot of people were looking for as the city moved in that direction. I think he did some good things, but. Um, You know, there were a lot of missteps that he had at the beginning that he could have avoided.
1: All right. Uh, Today's Sun-Times had a story about uh, Scott Wagsback, quote-unquote, cutting a deal with Lori Lightfoot. We'll get into that when we return.
2: Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the Daily Chicago News and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read The Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Baim at publisher at ChicagoreaderCorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at Publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. That's C-O-R-P and Paul.com to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show, live and downloaded in moments. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, man, take us home. All right,
1: that's Ryan Kelly playing the little uh, keyboard in the oh studio. <laughs> Ryan God. Kelly, man, union man, keyboard player. Whoa. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you found this, but I just love that. Anyway, Scott Wags back in the studio with Ryan Kelly. Scott Wagsback, of course, Alderman from the 32nd Ward. And today's Bright One, my beloved Bright One, home delivered as always had an article in it, uh, but I think Franz Billman wrote it. Uh, let me get to the article. I can't find it now. Anyway, it, um, the essential point of the article is that Scott Waggisback, the alderman of the uh, 32nd Ward, cut a deal. Uh, cut a deal. Yes, indeed, France Billman wrote a cut a deal with uh, Lori Lightfoot and swapped uh, his endorsement for her for a pledge from Lori Lightfoot that she would use her powers uh, to make uh, Scott the chair of the finance committee. Scott, uh, your response to that story?
4: Just plain false. I mean, I, you know, I came out and supported Lori. I think that upset a lot of people. Um, there was no deal cut there. Um, and I think if you talk to a lot of people who've known me in the council for many years, they know I don't do that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I've just, uh, I, I think I had a part-time worker who got a little overzealous, um, And I took care of it immediately. I basically said, you don't get to speak for me. You don't speak for Lori. Um, They took it the wrong way, but I had to basically fire him from political work as Mm. it was. This is a young man put on his Facebook page. Yeah, and I just sent him a message that, uh, you know, I I appreciate what you've done, but, uh, you know, working, but um, you can't make those kind of comments. And I very quickly put him in his place.
1: And that said, would you like... The gig? Would you like to be financially?
4: Well, as the Sun Times says, yes. Um, you know, several aldermen put my name out there a few weeks ago to um, potentially take that over. And the way I look at it is um, there would be stark contrasts if I were asked to do it between the way Ed Burke's done it and the way I've done it um, and everything from the workers comp program to rule 14s and how we approach. All right, uh, let's talk about some of the
1: differences. First of all, uh, rule 14, just explain to people what rule 14 is.
4: So any elected official that has a financial interest in any kind of vote, whether it's a bond deal, a program has to uh, basically disclose that they have a financial interest and then you're not allowed to vote on it. Mm -hmm. Um, What Ed Burke uh, did was had several hundred just in the last few years <laughs> several hundred which yeah. means uh we didn't yeah. know we didn't know what those financial interests were yeah. and you what we don't want to have happen is alderman working against the interest of the taxpayer and um benefiting in some way from that without people knowing exactly what they're doing and the depth of what they're doing
1: well this is one of my uh, gripes not just uh alderman but uh, uh, any investor in a city deal follow me what i'm about to say for so for instance right now lincoln Yards is about go- about to go down. I believe the zoning committee uh, of the city council either about to approve it or will approve it. We don't know who the investors are behind the um, Sterling Bay deal. We know that Sterling Bay is the lead developer. We don't know who the investors are. Parking meter deal. Parking meter, same thing. same thing. You were one of the five. You and Tony, let's give her a shout out. Tony and you and she did uh, three other uh, aldermen in two thousand and nine,
3: was
6: it
1: or two thousand and eight?
4: It was two thousand and eight December, 2008. but it
1: rolled into 2009. thousand nine. Uh, voted uh, against it.
6: And that directly affected us, by the way. Um, we used to rebuild the parking meters. We had a classification parking meter machinist, so we would rebuild all the parking meters and. When that got privatized, those guys lost, lost their jobs.
4: And it, and wow. you know what? The the great uh, thing about that <laughs> was the mayor was arguing at the time, or his people were arguing that we don't know how to do those new machines. Yeah. Ryan's guys could have been building no, these machines. It, it, it was it was the most absurd thing ever. Yeah. Well, that we can learn and, anything
6: with the right training. So, I mean, uh, we have people at the CTA for example that, you know, uh, rebuild, they work on the venture systems and all the pay, electronic payment systems. Yeah. So, I, I think that's unfounded. <laughs> and
4: we and we lost 100 million a year in appropriate revenue that mm-hmm. could have gone into these pension payments.
6: All right, and the point I was
1: going to make, we also don't don't even really know right now who owns yeah. the meters i mean it, it that's a shifting yeah. well there was the initial consortium of investors uh that was not really highlighted by anybody when the deal went down right. uh, Mick Dumkey the great Mick Dumkey my partner at crime at, at then uh at the reader and i foied for the information uh to present who the owners were but then you know they sell off the different parts uh, different pieces, you know, different investors sell off their uh, their ownership in the in the business, so we don't really know who owns it. It's the same thing. So, as chairman of the finance committee, could you uh, force? Uh, developers or investors in these kinds of deals uh, to identify themselves before the city approves a deal?
4: Yeah, and I think what we've seen uh, time and time again under the Emanuel administration is that's been continued where we don't know who the investors are. We don't know who's behind the scenes. We don't know who's behind the LLCs that are created, as we saw in the parking meter deal just days before the deal went down. Um, Those are things that I think are appropriate to do that they do in other cities. And that's the absurd thing with this city council is they act like this is a unique uh, democratic process here that no, nothing works differently in any other city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it does, it just, basically they do business in a better way. They're doing uh, work on behalf of taxpayers instead of hurting them.
1: Now, Scott, uh, sort of the uh, point embedded in the uh, article that Fran Spillman wrote about the alleged deal that uh, turns out you didn't cut with Lori Lightfoot uh, is that The next mayor of Chicago will continue the practice that this current mayor uh, has done and the previous mayor, and even before uh, Daley, I think Harold Washington did it as well, sort of dictating to the city council who the chairs of the different committees will be. Do you think that practice will continue under Preckwinkle uh, or Lightfoot, or do you think we'll move to a more independent city council where we'll have like a legislative body having its own uh, power to decide who its chairs are?
4: Well, we've, we've pushed for that over the years, at least some better form of that. We're also pushing in the next uh, week for uh, more ethics rules to be passed before the new council comes in so that a lot of the shenanigans are put to rest. Um, I think, you know, it depends on really uh, who gets elected in this runoff um, and, the t- you know, the type of people that are going to come in. Do they want to start out with a clean slate? Do they want to have um, rules that put them on par with every other citizen out there? I think uh, a lot of people come in and want to do that. So uh, we'll see some change. And I think we'll see some of the aldermen saying that um, we do need to change up the rules of procedure and the rules of slating these committees.
1: Uh, one of the th- other things okay. about the city council that I find uh, interesting, I've been watching it for many years. I think I've mentioned this to you in passing. Uh, it reminds me of sort of like the scene in a high school cafeteria where there's like different cliques of aldermen. And then when one when ald, when, when alderman leaves, all the aldermen are still sitting there, start trashing them. the guy's not even out the door. And they're <laughs> trashing him. It's like very juvenile at some levels. It's very like a popularity contest. Um, I know we can eradicate that, but um, you know, you as one of the leaders of the Progressive Caucus who are willing to vote no from time to time. Uh, in the face of the mayor. Carlos, too, who was sitting here yesterday, the same thing, willing to vote no after the mayor, uh, often get criticized by the other aldermen because you're like, you make them look bad. When you vote no on an unpopular thing, that just makes them look bad because they voted yes, okay? Yeah. So then they say bad things. Oh, he thinks he's so good. He's nothing. Uh, do you think you have sort of like the popularity uh, to win support? From your colleagues in the Chicago City Council, if you did want to go for something as important as finance chair, (laughs)
4: well, I'll go on the line today and say that I think I have the respect because I've respected all of them, despite the horrific votes that they've taken over the years. Uh, (laughs) Wait, time out. That thought. (laughs) What a statement! I respect you, despite your horrific (laughs) voting record. (laughs) Uh, But no, they know we will. We will have arguments about those things, and they're like, "Look, I, I respect you voting no. I respect you standing up against the mayor." And I'll say, you know, you guys are in tough spots. You know, you're put in this position by Rahm Emanuel. If you do, look what happened at the zoning committee today. Uh, a real quick uh, recap. We're sitting there. Um, Alderman Kaplman is the acting chair. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, we're going to defer Lincoln Yards. And Walter Burnett and Marge Larino stood up and basically said, no, um, we're not going to defer it. You're not the acting chair. Or you don't have the same power as the uh, the sitting chairman." it's the acting uh, as acting chairman. I mean, it's kind of a arc- arcane argument, but um, they just subverted the rules of procedure, just threw them out the window. And you look at that and you say, guys, come on, you know, have you not learned your lesson from a mayor who's basically undermined the rules of procedure, undermine what is essentially Robert's rules, uh, undermine the democratic process? Can you, as he's walking out the door, can you do the right thing? And I, I think that that is where it's becoming very difficult to look at some people and say, you know, and with all due respect, we can't be undermining our democratic system by doing these kind of all things.
1: All right, everybody, I'm going to explain. I'm going to take a deep. This is the first I've heard of this because I've It been just in, happened an hour ago. Okay, an ahead. hour. So, so, folks, just so you know, the zoning committee of the Chicago City Council their approval is needed for this Lincoln Yards deal, which is a massive subsidy that's going to be handed out to develop a gentrifying neighborhood in the north side of Chicago, $1.3 billion going to be set aside in TIF money, property tax dollars. So the zoning uh, committee has to approve the deal itself because it involves zoning changes. All right. The former chairman, follow me on this, people, of the zoning committee, is a gentleman by the name of Danny Solis, the alderman of the 25th Ward. Danny, I don't know where he is. Could be in witness protection. I'm not quite <laughs> sure where Danny is. Could be hiding. Let me see if he's under the table. Table. Nope, it's not under the table there uh danny it turns out was wearing a wire <laughs> he was i'm not making this up people this is your city danny was wearing a wire he was tapping the phone he's tapping the uh, he's recording
4: conversations of, scotty i hope you're not in some of those conversations uh but uh, i am but uh well I'm, i would think i am because i you know you have conversations on the council floor i know i'm on some of them because i, I call him more, up i think for was where i yelled at him for doing the shakedown but that was, was <laughs> okay that would, what shakedown was that I was uh, building a new Ford dealership.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that one. All right, so anyway, so Danny Solis had to remove himself from the scene uh, when the story broke that he, you know, he was swapping approval and zoning deals for Viagra. Viagra's expensive, folks, so you know, let's have some sympathy for the guy. All right, so he had to remove himself from the scene, and so they advanced the Chicago City Council. They advanced James Kappelman, who's the alderman from the 46 Ward on the north side of Chicago. I guess he was the vice chairman of yeah. the. So he gets to be the chairman, right, under the rule. The Lord knows who wrote these rules or interpret these rules, what's, what have you. He happens to be in a very heated runoff for re-election. Uh, uh, so the, the Lincoln Yard deal is unpopular on the north side. So the cynic in me thinks, Scott... Correct me if I'm wrong, that the whole thing that you just described was staged where Kappelman wants to be able to I say, guess. I
4: wanted to defer this thing. And Here, so, got the rule book just in case. Oh, you here's some. Oh, you can have an extra one.
1: Scotty Wagsback, folks, comes in the studio with, with the
4: city council rules of order.
1: Scott, I hate to say it. That's very geeky of you, but I respect Sorry. that. <laughs> So come on, am I a cynic? Have I been around Chicago too long, Scott? Was that a set-up deal where he goes, I want to defer. No, you
4: can't. All of a sudden, two aldermen just stand up. You can't. Wait a does it say that you can defer here? Well, well they just ignored the handbook. <laughs> I'm sure they got a text message that, from Romney Emanuel that said, do it or dot, dot, dot.
1: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So do you think the whole thing was uh, staged? staged?
4: Uh, probably, yeah.
1: You're as cynical as I am, young man, and you're younger than I am. I've only been observing my, you know,
4: counsel here for too long.
1: Yeah, it's in 2007. Uh, So anyway, so two random aldermen stood up and told the chairman of the committee that he could not defer the matter, okay? They just said, it was like a a, a coup in the Chicago (laughs) City Council today where just two random aldermen showed up and said, no, you can't do it. Okay. Could you imagine in the old days with Ed Burke? running finance oh. chair if someone said i'm sorry alderman burke but you don't have the authority to do what eddie, would burke eddie have
4: done? would have come over and smacked him on the head
1: <laughs> eddie verdoliak another with a pass. Yeah. so all right so uh, he agreed the capitalman agreed today then that yeah, they would not defer it demurred to
4: them yeah wow. so they, that they kept going so here here's the big thing with it it's a terrible plan from an urban planning perspective absolutely terrible plan mm-hmm. Uh, the TIF portion of it is a terrible plan. Uh, the way the finances are set up and, um, it is not that, and we're looking, you know, we might talk about the issue of bridges and infrastructure here. If I could just dive mm-hmm. into that since you you got the pictures there. Yes. Should I wait?
1: Uh, no, uh, we'll go into, I just want to, uh, uh, my good friend Ed Maher was here last week. Uh, and he left these uh, pictures here of decaying bridges and the need for infrastructure. And I immediately said, all right, let's take the 1.3 billion out of Lincoln yards and spend it, uh, Putting people to work, rebuilding these bridges yeah. and rebuilding the infrastructure, and let's really help people in the city of Chicago instead of building some upscale palace for the well-to-do in a gentrifying area.
4: Yeah. So the front money, the money that's fronted on this thing from taxpayers, it's it's more for the reimbursement of um, what what claims to be bridges and infrastructure, but there's no priority set in this whole plan to get that done. And I and we know that we need bridges repaired. We know we need sewers and and new roads to be fixed, Um, whether they're metro bridges, highway, whatever it might be. But what's happened over the last several years is that we haven't had a capital plan from Springfield. Mm -hmm. We've got a new governor. They're working on a capital plan. It's more appropriate to look at the other several ways of either bonding out or looking at um, TIF reimbursement as a possibility further down the road to do a lot of these infrastructure uh, projects. But we know we need to get them done. The way they've got this particular plan set up is wrong-headed, and it doesn't guarantee that we're going to get to those bridges and those roads um, within the short time frame that they're claiming.
1: Well, my recommendation to the alderman of the Chicago City Council, if you're listening to me, it's not just this one little corner of the north side that's gentrifying, that needs infra- infrastructure repairs. It's the whole city? The whole city. Beverly. Needs infrastructure repairs. Mount Greenwood needs infra- in infrastructure repairs. Roslyn, uh, Englewood, Woodlawn. Why just put it in one little corner? Let's spend it's that one point three billion throughout the city of Chicago.
4: Well, and I think there will be more money to come once Governor Pritzker gets his capital plan together. They are. I know that they're working on one. I know that there's ways that we have to do matching funds. You know, obviously, the president of the United States is not going to move in that direction, although he might. I think he and Pritzker are getting along a little bit.
1: Well, they um, they so Trump said presumably. he wanted infrastructure. Repair, yeah. so.
4: And I, I think that's a one good sign out of all the other things going on. But um, do, using this TIF exclusively for this project is creating inequity in all those other neighborhoods. And that's what the aldermen don't understand, that all those other neighborhoods that you mentioned, plus, you know, the other 70 need those community areas need infrastructure investment. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, we're doing a lot of development on the boundaries of that TIF area. That Mm -hmm. TIF, that area has been in a TIF for 20 years. They're going to create another 23 years for it, but we are doing development in Lincoln park in Bucktown with our eyes closed. There are developers coming every day. Mm -hmm. So it is not that you need a TIF to get this stuff done because we can do it without sequestering those funds as we've done with a lot of others. And again, This goes back to the first comment that I made. We're gonna need funds for these pension payments. If we keep sequestering funds, a billion here, a billion there, we're causing trouble for our ability to make those payments. Absolutely. Those are obligations you have to pay. Yes, young Dennis. Uh,
2: hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, now, good. as you know, we uh, would be ending at about this time, 3 right. o'clock. But uh, since we had live stream issues, we're going to keep the show going for a little bit longer. So uh, I actually got a question, uh, one question from someone on the YouTube live chat, if uh, you guys got time for it, whenever. Go ahead. Uh, you want to do it now? Yeah, let's do it right All now. All right. Yeah, you know, that's, I guess, the uh, the difference between radio and podcasting. You uh, know, we, we can just keep going if we want <laughs> well, so, we to. Well, we stumbled enjoy. a bit digitally
3: savvy
2: yeah <laughs> let, let me tell you l- i'm gonna lock the door i get the make sure the preckwinkle people don't come in here we're
6: going longer all right dr d's gonna get an honorary doctorate one day watch <laughs> from radio school
2: this one comes from our good buddy pat rod all right mm-hmm. pat rod asks is there anything that you two know scott or ryan uh about the uh meter deal that could be done or are undone. we just stuck
1: oh like, yeah undone. this is my favorite topics you wanna dive into it? uh well i'd like to hear you on it but uh I, I humbly believe the meter deal, which was approved in 2008, as you said, under Mayor uh, Daly. Uh, Mayor Rahm inherited it. So we cannot blame him. Uh, I'm saying that right now. I absolve Rahm of all responsibility for the original meter deal. All That's right. The the uh, it's the original the meter key. deal <laughs> because it was reaffirmed uh, it, about, what was it, 2013? I'm losing track of time, yeah, Scott. Uh, so my humble opinion, uh, Rahm should have gone hard at the meter deal when he got in and tried to blow it up. Like he blew up the the teacher's pay raise away from the teachers, if you remember that. Suddenly that
4: union deal was, you know, when it's a deal with a union, oh, throw it out the window. When he reopened the contract, when he reopened the contract to give uh, CPM, which is the the umbrella company LAZ operates it, when he reopened it to give them more meters throughout the city Mm -hmm. and to raise the rates, that's when he could have broken the deal because they agreed to essentially break the deal or modify it to the point where it put $10 million a year more into their pockets. It was absurd. Absolutely absurd. So 10 million more. So uh, to answer
1: his question, are we stuck with this thing?
4: Um, I think we are uh, for the time being, but the, you know, we've had some good attorneys look at it and um, you know, Tom Gagan looked at it, Clint Chrisloff, who's been fighting for uh, labor on the healthcare side of things Mm -hmm. down uh, at the Supreme Court. Those guys are on the right side of history and they've, um, they've got some good legal arguments that potentially we could go back for it. No, that's interesting. especially now that we are almost at the point where we've, they've made all their money back in 10, 11 years. Yeah, they're yeah. almost in the black
6: now. I mean, yeah. so, you know, from my perspective um, I don't know necessarily, you know, the, the pile, the politics and the tribal politics of it, except I do know that privatization costs city workers jobs yep. and Nine times out of 10, every time we've ever done a work study, we come in way under cheaper, the, the closest private contractor. And as we saw, I don't think anybody even saw it coming when the the parking meters privatized. But here we are 10 years later, and we're almost even. And what what's the year on that? Like 99-year Yeah, 99 something? years. Yeah. 75. 70%. So 75, 75, 99 was the tollway.
1: Yeah, <laughs> skyway,
6: excuse me. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 there you go. I mean, so, you know, I care about that because uh, I honestly believe that you know, city workers do really fine jobs, and they do it at a great price and a great rate. So I think uh,
4: you could add on like the um, waste management contract for recycling. I know we're not going to be able to just go right back to that. But um, you brought up the issue of um, when you look at an RFP, and you guys actually, um, labor can do um, a proposal, and they've come under in many cases, better better than the uh, privatized companies. Yeah, were. no, I uh, at absolutely. a better price and a better yep. quality. M-
1: my main argument uh, against privatizing. Uh, my main argument in using city workers is that, first of all, we have a rule that they have to live in the city of Chicago. So I, I, I keep saying this. It's a direct investment in the city of Chicago. I yes. just had this argument just today with somebody uh, on the issue of uh, firefighters. Uh, with, with Mike Flannery was saying, "We, sh-, you know, we have too many firefighters. Uh, and I was like, well, I'll take the firefighters over the TIF deal in Lincoln Yards because yeah. firefighters live in the city of Chicago. you It's a direct payment into the salary of somebody. Who pays property taxes, sends his kids to the schools, et cetera, et cetera, more often than not, shops in the city. So that would be my argument in terms of a, a wise investment of your money uh, as opposed to allowing it to go elsewhere, like that. Yeah,
4: especially when they're saving Mike's, um, you know, potentially saving Mike's, uh, you know, house. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. And yeah, uh, right. Rhymes exactly. House. Uh, Mike's house. There All right. Um, Scott, before I let you go, I don't think you'll be on the show until after the uh mayoral election of april 2nd do you have any uh just predictions you want to make uh I swear, we're off a little bit we got about uh how many 26 days 26 days do you have a sense of where this is going um what's your prediction young man well I,
4: you know Lori got the i think she got the firefighters actually to endorse her or they're thinking about it
0: um i think they did endorse they her did. Yeah, yeah yeah
4: so uh that's a good uh, step for her Um, I think it's going to be tight, but I think, uh, you know, looking forward to working with either one of these women who are going to lead this city in the next few years, and they're going to have a handful um, of issues to deal with, but um, these runoffs go fast, Mm -hmm. and they've got to be prepared, And, and I think taxpayers, citizens who haven't decided yet had better get on it pretty quick and not wait till the last minute like they did in this last election because this is um, this is the future of our city at stake. All right,
1: very good. That's Scott Wagsback, yeah. Alderman of the thirty-second Ward. Well, yes, young man.
4: Before Scott goes, we'll do a
2: little uh, one more bonus thing for everybody. All right. All this week, I have been just itching. We've we've run out of time every time. I have tons of clips from. Uh, Fran Spielman. Fran Spielman's interview with Tony Preckwinkle okay. on the Fran Spielman show. All right. Okay, since we got Scott Wagespeck here, let's play some clips. Uh, we'll play one clip. We'll, we'll do host choice. You get to choose. All right. I'll read off the uh, clips I have. Okay. And you tell us which one you want to hear. Okay. And then we'll weigh in, and then we'll ride out of here. Okay, all right. little bonus for all of oh, our live it. listeners yeah. who yeah. didn't. Uh, yeah, you live listeners, so sorry about that in the beginning. We're making it up to you here. That was pretty cool, too, how he sent that uh, question, and I was able to read that, right? Absolutely. Be like Pat Ryan. Rod. Send us questions on the uh, YouTube live stream. Okay, Ben Jarofsky. All right. Let me uh, get your decisions here. Right. And we're just sticking with this music. <laughs> door, you study No. No, sing. You see, I'm just trying to really do it a lot so it just wears out. That's my goal But every here. time I hear
1: it, I, I'm on, I, I, you know, Ryan Kelly and Scott, I want you to go home and listen to Conquistador by Proco Harum, and it opens with this. <laughs> anyway. Okay, uh, so.
2: Suspense. Right now, in my face, yes. I have several clips from Franz Spielman's interview with Tony Preckwinkle. Your choices are. Now, just hear all the choices before right. you weigh in, Benny. <laughs> Host choice here. Okay. I got Tony and Fran Spielman talking about Willie Wilson. All right. I have... The sugar tax. Mm -hmm. I uh, have a bonus sugar tax as well. That'll be two clips. I have uh, Fran talking with Tony about Lori Lightfoot. Tony and Fran on the old guard. Tony and Fran on the campaign uh, woes that Mm -hmm. uh, Preckwinkle had for a while there. Uh, Let's see here. I have... oh. Okay, once and two more on Lori Lightfoot. So those are your choices. Ben Jarovsky. Pressure. Well, uh damn near the pressure, but uh
1: I'm Zach Levine stepping up at the big moment last night for the game-winning basket. Hang tight, non-sports fans. I'll go with the soda pop tax.
2: Going with with the sugar tax. All right, now, this is a twofer here, so I'll play the first clip, you weigh in, and then I'll play the second. Once again, this is... Scott gets to weigh in. There you go. Alderman Wagusback gets (laughs) to weigh in. Yeah, don't you back out either, buddy, all right? (laughs) I locked the doors. The Preckwinkle people aren't coming, all right? All right, so here's Fran the Woe Man Spielman talking one-on-one with Tony Preckwinkle on the sugar tax. You can check out this whole interview on the Fran Spielman Show on the Chicago Sun-Times website. Fantastic show. Go check it out. All right, here we go. Anytime now. Okay, one second. Boy, I'm trying to figure out these Apple computers. How
0: do you explain the sugar beverage tax? If people are still angry about that, what will you tell them? You know, look, I understand that people were unhappy. It was repealed. And we made the very difficult choices we had to make to balance the budget. We closed 1,000 positions but I think it's important to remember where the money that the county receives goes. Half of it goes to healthcare. We run our health and hospital system, and we now have 320,000 people who get healthcare as a result of county care, our Medicaid expansion program. But we apologize and say, you know, I probably... Another 40% of our money goes to criminal justice, and we've had great luck in reducing It's a result of hard work, I shouldn't say luck, with all the stakeholders in reducing the jail population by more than 40 percent by giving people who are accused of nonviolent crimes an opportunity to be out in the community, going to work, going to school, supporting their families as they await the disposition of their cases. So I I always try to talk to people about what what the county really does.
1: All right. Tony Prekwenko, I've been interviewing her for a long time, is a master of answering whatever question you ask with what she wants to say, okay? So that was a classic case. I just want to talk about what we do at the county, uh, as opposed to dealing directly with the soda pop Yeah, text. good
2: question, but I'll answer one that's better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like my answer better than the one I'm going to have to say. Uh, well, I have my personal view. We talked about this with Maya earlier in the show. Um, If I were advising Tony Prickwinkle, and I'd start off by saying I would not take any advice from anybody like me if I were a politician, but I'd say own up to it. And, and say, you know what? You got a better solution? What's your solution? I'm dealing with real problems in real time. Nobody wants a property tax. Everybody yells and screams and cries. They don't want the property tax. We try to do something else. It blew up in my face. Now we got to be real about it. So that's how I would a- answer the question, Indeed, I would never win any office I ran for. <laughs> well, good, I, I like the this ballot. Show.
2: I like what we do here, all right? But we that's how, how I would answer it. He's already going to leave you a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Scott, what's... Uh, you... Own up to it. I yeah. mean, come on. Oh. Well, well, let's see if she owns up to it. We We got part
4: two. Okay.
2: Okay. Here we go.
0: So do you apologize for it? I mean, will you say to these people, you know what, I, I, I blew it, I miscalculated, I'm sorry. You know, we were looking for revenue to support the good work the county did. And that revenue choice turned out not to be popular. We repealed it. And we went on, as I said. Well, you had to be, the, be dragged into repealing it, it. It was repealed, and we went yeah. on. We went on to to do the difficult things we had to do to balance the budget. And for the last eight years, we've balanced every single budget. We've made 850 million dollars in cuts because I always look first to make government more efficient. We've reduced our workforce and reduced our indebtedness. I think I've been a real responsible steward of county government.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she kind of took my advice. I beam those advice to her. You know one thing I also would do? I would say, you know what? I was the victim of a campaign engineered by Big Soda. Remember we used to do Big Soda? Well, I oh it was yeah. Bob Fioretti. <laughs> it's Bob Fioretti. <laughs> That's right, Bob Fioretti. Yeah, he called her, what did he call her? The soda pop Anyway, the point is Big Soda, Bob Fioretti tag team to uh slap me with that. And uh so I'm not apologizing for anything. That's what I would say. And again one more time, I would never get elected to anything. Scott, well, how would you handle it?
4: Uh, well, I was just looking at your Conquistador song. <laughs> there, and it was 1967. But song number 10 on that album is Repent While Pyrgis. Wow. How did you know that? I oh, you looked
1: a it up. on phone up. that I looked oh, yeah. up on the, Unlike Unlike you, you, he knows the, knows the internet. you, use his phone. <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm dealing with millennials everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, no. So 1967, you weren't even uh, around listening to music. But uh, all right. Um, So how would how would you have answered that question if you were uh, Tony Perkwinkle?
4: Well, I think like this uh, this other issue, you just come out and say, no, that's that's not how it was. Um, if I made a mistake, I own up to it. I, I've done that in the city council where I voted for stuff like the mental health clinic closings under Rahm Manuel. <laughs> I've
1: given you so much grief about that over yeah, the years. And
4: I, you know, a year after when I realized that they had dropped several thousand people through the, the loopholes, that they weren't tracking those people, and now they're out under under all the viaducts and bridges, we, we quickly realized and apologized to the community for that mm. and ever since then, we've been trying to find a way to fix the problem, but we owned up to it. And that's all you have to do. And in in, it's hard in the city because people are stuck in these old ways of, of doing things, but maybe that's why we've got somebody, I think in Lightfoot, that's going to, that's going to do something different on it.
1: Ryan, do you have any uh,
6: recommendations to Tony Prickle on how to answer that question? Um, firstly, I always try to give credit where it's due. Um, Tony, as uh, the head of the County is, has always been pretty upfront explaining things like we have a big hole in the budget. Um, She may have been victim of a, of a, um, a platform that may have achieved that. I do know she tried to pass quite a few taxes before she got to that one. Um, I'm a big fan of just the straight out. Hey, we've got a hold this is, we got to do something here. Um, I think people are relatively open to that idea nowadays, um, I was we well us our union was caught in a really tight spot there. I have county employees who there was uncertainty because of the budget crisis on that end, and then I also have employees at Pepsi Bottling who ended up taking a layoff because of the the sheer amount of reduction. Everybody started buying their pop over the border, mm-hmm. um, so I had five guys, um, including one of my now staff members, who who got a layoff. You know because they're just the production was not there in the Chicagoland area, so it. This came down and it did affect people um, on one side or the other. So, um, you know, I I was really interested to see how that shook out. Um, and it did get repealed. And she is true in saying that, you know, it was unpopular and it, you know, it, it definitely. Well, taxpayers spoke. I mean, it was like revolting. <laughs> People were like on revolt for a while. Don't mess with people's diet coke. I always tell them. <laughs> that's that's like serious. <laughs> stuff, so. Don't mess with the diet coke. Don't yeah. mess with the diet coke. People drink <laughs> that stuff like like coffee in the morning. So, yeah. um, and they did. So, um, I I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, but I did. I did understand and appreciate the fact that there is a hole. The hole doesn't go away. Yeah. Um. So yeah. You no, know,
1: I remember Bob Ryder uh, would come on the show back in the day when this was going on he defended it 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 was a very contentious issue, uh, but there was, let's not kid ourselves, uh, there was opposition that was ginned up, if you will, by big sodas,
6: no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And um, so. (laughs) Well, I mean, child child diabetes is a thing. I mean, there is, you know, there's, I mean, kids shouldn't be drinking pop. Pop is not necessarily a great thing for you, but so I think that aspect of it was true, but were people ready for that? You're almost like forcing health initiatives on them. I mean, I think that's where the the pushback was. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, that also the other thing it was. Um, God, over here we're bringing back that argument. Uh, but that was a great debate for us many times. But the reality is, they try to shift the debate. Uh, they start off saying this is going to plug a hole in our budget. We're going to raise the money, and then when they got flaked, they said, "Well, we're doing this to deter people from drinking soda pop." And so it's like, well, camp. It's one or the other, guys. You know, yeah. you're not going to have the money if you're deterring people. And uh, so then I remember um, Sufferden coming to the hideout. Larry Sufferden, Will Ben, the way it's gonna work. See, we're gonna raise, we're gonna raise the money for a few years. Then we're gonna deter it. We'll figure out something else. I'm like, man, you guys are good. You're Whoa. just making this stuff up. Sufferden
2: in the building. That was such a good impression. Sufferden. <laughs>
1: That's why Lauren suffered an imitation. Anyway, uh, that is our bonus feature. We stumbled at the beginning. Not our fault. There were some production difficulties. Yeah, way
2: to throw our tech guys under the bus, but uh, no, not our on. fault. <laughs> not us. Come on. No, it's you it was, Sean, to- it was Sean.
4: It was you too. It was, was appearance from the bathroom. Oh, it was you too. <laughs> anyway, There's Scott. Any guys wearing wires or on their phones or... Yeah,
3: man,
1: it's those guys in the bathroom. Scott Waggis back from Thirty Second Ward. Ryan Kelly, thank you very much. Mile it seems like two hours ago was in the studio as well. And of course, wouldn't be a show, wouldn't be a Ben Jurofsky show without the man, the myth. It literally was two hours ago, by the way, <laughs> that Maya was like repent
3: yeah. while <laughs> repent.
1: the young doctor from Alton, Illinois. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
2: Don't forget, the Ben Jarofsky Show is powered by unions, all right? We'd like to thank these hardworking men and women who were kind enough to get behind us in this new adventure. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you to those unions. And, of course, thank you to our friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Tomorrow on the
3: Ben Jarofsky Show... Stacey Davis-Gates.